Hey there, it's Mark from Talking Joe. Just to let you know that this episode was originally recorded as a live stream to YouTube. So there is a lot of visual content. So by all means, sit back, relax and listen to the audio version. But beware, you may be missing out on some of the visual elements. I will also be saving a copy of the presentation for this episode on the Patreon website. So head on over to patreon.com slash talking Joe, where you will find an unlocked free version of this show, which will have a, a copy of a PDF that you can download and look at the images while you are listening to the audio only. With all that said, sit back, relax, and here is the episode. Live from the Talking Joe Studios, it's Talking Joe. You seem normal. Welcome to Talking Joe, where today we will be talking about Total Action Force, the battle years. Uh, the Kickstarter that is currently live, it's finishing very shortly, Friday, June the 4th. So uh, still time to get in there. It's a 176-page hardback book which tells the story of Action Force during the period where the toy line was closely associated with the British comic Battle. It tells the story of the people who created the Action Force universe and features things like character profiles and toy dioramas. Uh, and joining me to talk about it is former Talking Joe host, it is the main man, uh, Steve. I'm going to add you in. Actually, no, here we go. Steve. It's Joe. Going to a party like a pest job party. Everybody talking Joe. It's Joe. Going to a party like a pest job party. Shake a toy from side to side. Shake that toy from side to side. And after that very colourful intro, welcome, welcome <laughs> to my cave. Slightly, slightly less. It's nightfall cave. in the outback, boys and girls. Uh, okay. It's going to get scary. Hello, yeah, Mark. Hi, uh, Steve. Great to have you on. Uh, my pleasure, buddy. Uh, you do yeah, all the heavy I lifting. Feel, I just yeah. talk. <laughs> I feel like we've been on loads of shows together, but we've literally only appeared on one. I think we have talked in each other's ears many times, uh, but never been in dialogue. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apart from the uh, the hundredth uh, episode of yeah. Talking Joe, that was a blast. Very good. Uh, so uh, you're here to to support me in this endeavour while we talk uh, to the man of uh, the the hour. So we've got uh, Brian Hickey who is joining us. So Brian has worked for. Uh, a number of acclaimed toy designers like Boss Fight Studio, uh, designing the packaging for a number of their licensed products, including Bucky O'Hare and Sam and Max. And he's also worked on a number of other books uh, along with Paddy Lynn. And this, we're going to be talking about the, their Action Force book, which is the third book that they've worked on previously. Total Retaliation, a guidebook to the G.I. Joe figures uh, in line with the G.I. Joe movie Retali Retaliation and the Total Vitruvian Hacks Volume 1. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, have an intro for Brian. 
Gee, Mark, what are we gonna do today? The same thing we do every day, Mark. Make jingles for our new guests. It's Paddy and Brian. Yes, Paddy and Brian. One is a writer, the other is trying to take some photographs for Kickstarter bucks. It's Paddy, Paddy and Brian, 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 Brian. There we go. I bet you weren't expecting that. No, totally not. That's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And that picture with the, the yoke on my head. That where'd you get that? That's brilliant. <laughs> the internet. Everything is on the internet well, now. Beware. Uh, oh god. I, I love I love getting introduced on podcasts with when Chris introduces me on the full force, he always has makes up these kind of weird middle names. And uh cracks me up every time but that that takes the biscuit there <laughs> cool so oh. yeah we're uh, we're not talking comic bursts we're uh we're talking action force um, yes so we're we're in the final straight for uh for your kickstarter so uh let's uh click this and so we're, this is what we're talking about it is the uh the kickstarter book this is what it's all about um uh do you want to give us the you know the the, the sort of brief overview what's uh what should we know about it essentially this is um it's well, the book it's hardback book it's slightly oversized 176 pages and it's going to tell the story of action force but with a focus on obviously the toys are, are a big part of it but in addition to the toys, there's a big focus on the creators of Action Force. So the creators of Action Force, we define them as people at Palatoy on one side. So the toy designers, the marketing people, the manufacturing and engineering people. But then there's also the kind of mythology of Action Force. You know, so Action Force was promoted through the comic battle. Um that was kind of the content marketing that drove the toy line. So you have the, the creators on that side as well. So you've got comic people, you've got writers like Jerry Day, like Scott Goodall, uh, James Nicholas, and then you have artists like Banyo, Cam Kennedy, um, uh, you know, John Cooper, uh, just to name a few of, of a wealth of creators on that side. And, and as it happens on the comic side of it, those creators were the best in class for, for British comics at that time. We're, we're talking the leading writers and leading artists in the British comics industry from, you know, that had reputations going way back into the 70s and, and beyond, and were top of the game in, in the 80s. So this, is a, so this book essentially is going to tell their story. We're gonna highlight who those creators were, tell their individual stories, bringing it all back to the overall story of Action Force. And, like I said at the start, the toys are a really big part of this because mm. that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So there'll be lots of toy photos in there, um, updated data files for all of the Action Force characters. And, um, you know, it, it'll be a great addition. If, you, if, you're, if you've got an interest in Action Force, if you're a collector of Action Force, this is going to be a great book to have in your collection. Excellent. Uh, 
And yeah, I'll mention now that we've got uh, the live stream comments on there <laughs> turned on. So if you want to interact with us while we're live, then uh, do feel free to to leave a comment uh, via uh, YouTube or I think even Facebook Live should also uh, work. So yeah, you can click, you can send us a link. I'll, I can I click into it into the uh, into the show. And uh, already we've got uh, Chief chiming in. I bet Mark has at least another three jingles planned for this show. <laughs> yes. Calling your bluff, Mark. <laughs> what you going to do, buddy? We'll see. Count them yeah. as we go. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, book looks fab. Uh, thanks, Chief. Um, so uh, this is this is the website up here. So uh, we can see that you're at, I think, almost 70% funded now. Uh, just over almost getting up to towards uh, 19,000 of your your 27,000 uh, gold and uh, yeah so head on over to the kickstarter uh, page to, to find out the full details of the uh, of the um, package uh, what's involved and uh, and the different tiers and, and things so uh, that's what it is all about, and we'll be going into the detail of some of these uh, these images uh, and so on, uh, later on. Uh, but so the um, and there's yet yeah, some interesting uh, tiers to be unlocked as as well. So uh, yeah, I really want uh, I really want it to be successful so we can see some of those those tiers because I've backed it. I want to get some of those top tiers coming in now because. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, um, but so so the the book is in at um, 120 euros, uh, 105 pounds, or 145 dollars for for the basic tier, which just gets you uh, the the book. And um, I know that uh, that that sometimes when I backed um, Kickstarter before, I've been a little bit shocked um, by by paying uh, you know a fair amount for the for the initial Kickstarter. And then after I've backed it, being asked for more money for uh, for the postage, which is sometimes quite steep. Um, so so I think that what you guys have done is is to kind of cover that uh, that postage shock up front by by um, having it being an all inclusive price and, and having the postage as part of the, the price. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it is it's a high entry price, as you say, um, we're, you know, targeting a market that, that we feel is going to be in the hundreds uh, rather than in the thousands. So when you're producing, you know, a high quality book, it's a hardback book. It's going to be, you know, beautifully bound, printed, uh, slightly oversized, as I said earlier. And that to, to, to the unit cost for, for one book for, for, you know, when you're only making, you know, a few hundred of them is particularly high. If, if we'd have felt the market was much bigger, like maybe into the thousands, that would have brought the unit cost way, way down. But um, so we know it's a high risk. Uh, it's a high risk Kickstarter for us. We understand that. But we also decided, like, as you mentioned there, to build the, the postage fee into it. So the, the price that you pay when you back this is, is is all you're going to pay. You're not going to pay any more. There's no other extras to be to, to be surprised with down the line. Um, in terms of kind of cost for, for the backers so that's and, and that shipping cost includes it's it, you know it's not going to be just shoved in a soft back envelope it's going to go in a proper box it's uh it's tracked worldwide shipping anywhere in the world mm -hmm. so that's it, it, we're doing it right you know we're there's only you know we have a lot of experience you know producing books and shipping books from our 
previous projects that we've worked on. So we know what how important it is to, to make sure everything is wrapped up carefully. And if anybody um, ever purchased uh, like a copy of Total Retaliation from us or Total Vitruvian Hacks, you know that we put a lot of care into how we pack those books up um, and, and send them out. So that same level of care and that attention to detail, that's exactly how we're going to fulfill all, all the, the orders for the backers here too. So it's everything's built into the one price um, it covers everything and it is tracked international shipping. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, that's covered in your, your backer pledge uh, level. And and is, is this going to be a case where you've got some people helping you with your, your shipping and getting it out? Or, or is it going to be delivered to one of your guys' um, uh, houses and you're going to be, have a room full of, uh, full of books for, <laughs> for a little while? Now, well, it, it'll, it'll be delivered to probably delivered to me and I actually have kind of a workspace, a dedicated workspace and a studio space. Um, so I'll have the space to hold on to the books. Uh-huh. They won't be in our possession for very long anyway, because we're only producing enough books to fulfill the, the pledge levels. So really once, once they come in, it's only like a, a few days then to kind of get all those orders processed and, and out the door. So, you know, the, 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 they'll have a very short shelf life on, on, in my studio before they're on the way to the various backers. Yeah, your your local post office is going to be in for a shock one day when you come in though. With the... <laughs> well, they, they know it's down there. My wife is an artist, so she's down there every day um, shipping off different pieces. So she sells a lot of art. So she's very well known in, in the local post office. And, and they know me because sometimes I have to go down and uh, bring a load of packages down there. So we're, we're kind of, yeah, we're, we're kind of top customers uh, in the cell. <laughs> <laughs> got a loyalty card. <laughs> no, this frequent flyer. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to um, stick up on the screen some of uh, you know for the people who might be watching this who may be more familiar with the, the GI Joe brand, for example, and uh, or, uh, or you know just too too young to to be kind of had the awareness of what was coming out here back back in this these action force uh era i was going to flash up some of the images of the the card back promotions from from back in the back in the day to kind of give us a flavor of the kind of things that we're talking about so this was uh the the first series one of uh of the action force uh figures um yeah and and kind of using that um established action man brand so it's you know it was basically a, a shrunk shrunk down action man really wasn't it when it first uh first launched with you know very Absolutely. generic uh generic types you know the the frogman uh the 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 pilot the the diver you know those kind of things without you know too too much sort of uh uh you know the the, the things that would follow in terms of the personality and the the kind of the teams and, and so on well, specifically what, what happened when Series 1 was developed, I mean, because everybody knows that it was the success of the of Kenner's kind of Star Wars line that kind of it, you know, prompted some of the bigger toy makers like Hasbro and obviously Palatoy to come up with their own three and three quarter inch figure line. So in the case of, of Action Force, when they were discussing ideas of, of what could this three and three quarter inch line be, um, it was Mike Taylor, the Action Man uh, marketing manager, who suggested that they just be straight up copies of the best-selling Action Man, you know, figures and outfits of that of, of, at that period, right. and hence, um, if, if you you know if you do a bit of digging online, you'll see that all those Series One Action Force figures have a 12-inch counterpart. Wow. Okay. 
so they're, they're straight up sort of miniaturizations almost of the uh of the best-selling uh big action force uh, action man uh, figures uh, at, at the time which is why and, it's and... such an eclectic mix I mean, yeah. you've got a diver and a German stormtrooper, you know, sh- sharing the so same much of this guy. Is he is he rare or just <laughs> controversial? You don't see him cropping up on uh, on the uh, on the Facebook pages quite so much. No, it's um, I, I actually I don't know how rare the German stormtrooper is. I mean, it's uh. I picked up an action force lot there recently, and there was two of them in the lot. Oh wow! Uh, no, no accessories. Um, so I mean, I've no idea, you know. But but of course, on the groups, most it's mostly series two and series three action force that you see coming up for sale. You don't yeah. see a lot of the series one. At, at what at what year do you think it was that that action force first grabbed your attention? I probably only came onto my radar. Well, I can remember the TV commercial. Um, that would have been advertising series one action force, oh, wow. uh, and it had things like the you know the the British Marine or the British Paratrooper and the AF three. They were featured in the commercial, um, but it was really I only started to sit up and pay attention when series two started to be marketed the next year. So in nineteen eighty three, mm-hmm. um, there was a big promo across a lot of the IPC titles where they were giving out free action force figures with the comic and i picked up a copy of battle which had the z force radio operator um came free with that and really at that point that, that's what <laughs> no. yeah that's a brilliant, brilliant free action gift, figures with yeah. your comic book the comic was only like about 25p or something as well so insane and, you know, did he come with accessories he did he had, his, he had his green cap he had his radio backpack and he had his oh, uh his, his rifle um, but unlike the Star Wars figures, uh, he was you know it's the same quality as Star Wars, but you had maybe a few more accessories, and he could hold his his weapon mm. in two hands, which the Star Wars figures couldn't do. And I had a, a few of those kind of Palatoy Kenner Star Wars figures anyway at that time. Um, and when I saw this for like for free with a, a comic that was twenty five p, I was I was totally in 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 a, a smart a, bomb. Get that this and so this must have been. Uh... What probably two years on the heels of Star Wars? Do you think was what? What year were those hitting the the shops? Do you, do you know? I mean, I was where, where I grew up. We didn't have Star Wars in our local shop. Star Wars toys. Okay. So the first time I saw Star Wars was probably only in about you know nineteen eighty. 82 anyway i wasn't even aware of star wars figures at that you know up until then mm. um and uh, and the first star wars figure i ever got was a han solo in his hoth battle gear so we were already well into the empire strikes back line by the yeah. time i even got any star wars figures so this is this would have action force came on the radar fairly quickly for me after i got introduced to star wars and steve what uh you're a little bit younger than me, I think, but uh, was only a little. Were <laughs> the was was the what stage did the Action Force brands? Uh, were you aware of it? How far along was it before? Look, there was a trickle that reached um, South Africa, uh, and certainly, you know, being a little bit younger, it was it was courtesy of the, the slightly older generation. So I had a big brother, and I had um, and his mates, and so I do have a familiarity with certain. Uh, action force pally toy molds 
Um, but a lot of it was, you know, it was the dawn of the internet when I really got to grips with this stuff and the the amazing resource that is Blood for the Baron. Yeah. Um, and it's been a wonderful treasure trove of discovery. Uh, for instance, the man from the United Kingdom who uh, put me onto Talking Joe for the first time, uh, Jim Godfrey, gifted uh -huh. me the AF3 for my wedding as oh, a wedding wow. gift. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I expressed an interest in that vehicle and um, lo and behold, on the big day, I had a surprise unboxing, <laughs> which I actually did at my wedding and it was oh, the AF3. Beautiful. It is, it is. The quality speaks for itself. It is definitely um, of a slightly different lineage than, than, than uh, Hasbro's G.I. Joe. Um, the rubber tires that are standard is, is, is the standout mm -hmm. feature for me. Um, the big chunky colors uh, and parts, wonderful. Brian, I have a question for you, though. Um, it's that same kind of like you can be Beatles fans or Elvis fans, but you can't, you know, one has to tr trump the other. Are you a plastic <laughs> man or a paper man? Oh, oh dear. Elvis over the Beatles any day. <laughs> All right, very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, you look a little bit rock and roll with the slick comb back. Mm -hmm. That's Come that's the toys. Yeah. Um, ooh, I mean, I would have. Well, when it comes down to the action force vehicles, I'm going to find myself pretty much all the time in the Palatoy camp. Um, it's you know, okay, they had different design processes and different manufacturing processes from uh, from Hasbro. Probably working to tighter budgets. And uh, you know, and tighter timeframes, but those kind of pressures bring out the best in a creative team. And when you look at, say, you know, Bob Brecken and 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 the other the rest of the design team at Palatoy, what they produced with so little time and so little money, uh, really was you know phenomenal. So what what I I absolutely love, you know, what the Hasbro's GI Joe, the, the vintage GI Joe, and, and and the vehicles that come with that when it comes. To, to making a call between Action Force and Hasbro, I'm, I'm in the Action Force camp 100%. <laughs> well, that's, that cool. possibly would have been my, my follow-up question, but I'm curious to know if uh, you're more of a comic books fan or, or action figure fan. I mean, is it, oh, is it the plastic know. or is it the paper? I, um, I mean, I see a mixture of both on your back wall there. You certainly got some fantastic mm -hmm. Star Wars vehicles in mid-flight. I'm definitely a, a, more of a comics guy. And, and that's, I think, myself and Paddy, what, why it works so well, the two of us working together, is that when it comes to the, I mean, Paddy's a huge comics fan too. Don't get me wrong here. He's a massive fan of comics. But when it comes to the kind of the, the knowledge base on Action Force, um, Paddy's got the toys. He's like a, a living encyclopedia uh, <laughs> of, of toys. And I'm probably his counterpart on, on the comic side of it. Um, oh, so Dream we, team, so it works really well, and and you can see that. I mean, you know, again, I mean, I love the toys, absolutely love them. But my action, my battle action force comic collection, I'd say that's probably my most prized hmm. part of my collection. And um, you know, and when it comes to the action force mythology, that's where my head is definitely, you know, deep in that particular category the you know the, the, the artwork the writers um and, and that whole story there you know uh, in terms of the when i say story i mean the continuity that those writers mm -hmm. and artists created for mm -hmm. the comic 
which is which is pretty great. You mentioned at the top that they were the very best in the business, which is an interesting contrast to how the Marvel comic came about, uh, where it was the, literally the last guy they asked was Larry Homer. <laughs> and, and we got so lucky as G.I. Joe fans that he was tapped because it was that perfect storm of like a guy with a story to tell. Uh, but across the pond, it seems like the comic books were absolutely the dream team. You know, from art, story, writing, editorial. Um, so it's it's an interesting contrast. And while I was actually on the Talking Joe uh, show and and talking about uh, Blue Ninjas and the Arashikage <laughs> and Granny Demon, uh, the tonic that kind of kept me on the straight and narrow was concurrently reading Battle. Oh, wow. I was reading, yeah. So, I mean, they are night and day. You know, you've got six degrees of separation from Storm, well, from Snake Eyes or Snake Eyes's successes on the one hand. And then you've got these very grizzled, realistic stories where oftentimes you can't really fall in love with the cast because they are <laughs> slaughtered <laughs> mercilessly or, right. or realistically. We'll just say that, you know, there was a lot of pathos in the writing and it just. It, it, it was evident in how realistic the stories were. This wasn't soap opera. This was hard it men was, doing hard things. It was coming out of, I think the the, the war, the, the history, war years, the history, the war years. You know, yeah. these a lot of uh, the people working on the book would have had that firmly in their their, their memories, and mm -hmm. and also coming from the lineage of the battle comic before it became then battle uh, battle action battle action force that. Uh, it was a war, you know, it was a war comic um, with mm -hmm. with running in parallel to to the to the action force stories. You'd have things like Charlie's War, Johnny Red, which was, you know, about uh, about the, you know, military stories. And, uh, you know, for example, the British doing war with the Hun, you know, sure. and, and that level of violence and disposal. Well, long before I discovered the, the G.I. Joe Marvel comic, I had the sort of digests. Um, various war story, those black and white comic books. That I, I I lived on an appetite of those, or, mm. yeah, on a, a a good helping of those. And also, um, we got a number of the you know in classic English or British tradition, the annuals. So Valiant and oh, I'm blanking on the names, but Wars. all the sort of like marketed for boys yeah. um, hardcover. Oh, yeah. The annuals were, were 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 a big deal, but you know, coming back to, to what you were saying there, Steve, you know, I mean, when Battle was formed in the nineteen seventies, um, it was Pat Mills and John Wagner. They're the guys who created Judge Dredd. They were brought in to put together a, a war comic that would compete with the war comics that were being put out by DC Thompson, which would have been a big mm. publishing editor at the time. And their brief was: this has got to be more hard hitting. It's got to be tougher. It's got to be more grisly. You know, this is a comic for kids, but they're given a brief to like, you know, make it much more hard hitting than anything that the competitors are doing at that time. And they totally did that. And one of the first things they did was they said, we want to get Jerry Finley Day in here. Um, if we're going to make this the, the success that it needs to be, we need an ideas guy. So Jerry Finley Day uh, is, is the 
first recruit for this kind of you know editorial team. And for, for any viewers who don't know who Jerry Finley Day is, well, he's the guy who created Road Trooper for 2000 AD. Um, and he's got a lot of other great writing accolades in, in, in the comic battle. So he, he, was a, he was known as an ideas man. He could come up with characters, story ideas. And when IPC won the, the, the contract to have, you know, to have Action Force, in its, you know, in its uh, kind of publishing portfolio, um, Jerry Day was the lead writer brought in. So you have this great ideas guy. He has a military background. He's uh, he, he's got a reputation for kind of hard hitting stories. So all of that reputation that Battle had and that that Jerry Day had as a writer, all of that got pumped into um, the you know the the, the the action force mythology. And in fact, think of one of the first ever stories. Um, when we first see Action Force in print, we see the the Prime Minister and the Chief of, of Police you know, ruthlessly gunned down by the Black Major when they invade Ascendancy Island. It's it's pretty hard going stuff. Like they, they didn't pull any punches from day one, and they kept that going right through the the, the story's entire run right up till whatever November '86 when they when it finished up there. It's amazing that something with so much integrity and hard-hitting realism was pushing a toy. Uh, <laughs> and being marketed it's just to kids as well. remarkable. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the perfect storm behind the success of both the IPC Action Force comic and and uh, and Marvel's G.I. Joe, at least in those early days. It kind of devolved into ninja nonsense eventually. I mean, Larry did... And, and I still think he does some great work as well. I mean, you know, people who listen to the Full Force Comics Burst know that myself and Chris are big fans of Real American Hero. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, so, so I've got still... you in my ear uh, from time to time as well, Brian. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> You're on my rotation, yeah. buddy. Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Thank the, you. Some, um, some of the more recent... Um, G.I. Joe for, from, from Larry Hammer does get a bit of stick now and again, but, and, you know, and it has its highs and highs and lows, but it's, uh, for me, it's always, uh, it's always, uh, in, enjoyable, even uh, during the, the lows and the, the recent issues, I think it's a, you know, real, uh, particular return to form that, um, mm, don't, uh, don't get me uh, wrong, Mark. I mean, I think when I was, I was really going for the jugular in terms of the ninja bullshit, it was the latter part of the, the 155. You know, we we yeah, all know the era with the uh, GI Joe <laughs> featuring Snake Eyes <laughs> <laughs> and the Ninja Force. Yeah, I was going to jump onto the the second series just briefly to touch on on, on that. So, yes. uh, and this isn't this isn't even everything. It, th so this is um nineteen. Where's the Robo Skull? To, Come on, for yeah. So so I I decided to pick one image with a lot of stuff on it from uh, the box art and uh and went with this one but yeah so there's there's a whole bunch of things that aren't even in in this image but it sort of gives the indication of the 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 feel of the the line that we had these distinct teams yeah. the red shadows up there in the loft left corner with sas the sort of the more infantry z force the space force uh more the, the sci-fi adventures up uh you know with the more of the out there orange and then q force uh uh, the the sea force uh, side of, of things, and I think yeah, it was that that second era where it really came into into its own, uh, and yeah, I ended up owning quite a big chunk of uh, a chunk of this 
uh, e either at the time or, or or subsequently. Yeah, that that Z Force camo jeep um, yeah. actually picked up uh, picked up boxed in a shop probably. I don't know, 1987, it would have been sort of sitting on the shelf of our local toy shop. Um, and, uh, you know, and no, no, you know, no one picked it up. And I, and it just, uh, and I, every time I'd go in, I'd look at it and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> need to get that at some point. And that sort of like, it was later in into the, yeah, the, the Hasbro era of G.I. Joe, it, uh, no, not G.I. Joe, but Action Force. And it was still there on the, on the shelf. And uh, yeah, uh, had to, had to pick that one up. Um, chunky toy would that be your favorite item from this era Ooh, i think the mm -hmm. robo skull is everyone's favorite right <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um, hard to beat but i love Car i love pizza. this I, I love the uh the panther the, the black uh yeah the panther the the recolored vamp that's uh, a fabulous uh with the rubber tires oh the rubber gutted tires. The, the 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 month I got to Australia, uh, this most recent time, and never left um, on eBay Oz. There was a lot that had one of those. I think the final bid was like forty dollars. Nothing. It had its steering wheel. It had everything, and I let it slip through my fingers. I just I don't yeah, know, wasn't, little yellow wasn't... steering wheel. Those those tiny <sighs> little touches, just you know. Yeah. Shift and the list. stickering is so detailed and so unique, like a, an area that is completely devoid of any life in the Hasbro release. Pally Toy saw fit to create like a communications panel. Very cool. And then in the comic books, I think it was, was it Operation Bloodhound or one of them, an SAS adventure? They're actually like using it. That's They're right. working yeah, it into yeah, the plot. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I mean, that's one of the, the one of the genius things, obviously Palatoy had this kind of relationship with Hasbro for, for Action Man, where they could take, they, they could resell the 12 inch GI Joe um, in, in the UK and, and Europe, but they were able to, you, you know, draw on that license then to kind of flesh out the Action Force line and when series two was created, as we see mm -hmm. here, but they had, uh, they had a great habit of innovating all the time. So uh, with Action Man, you know, we things like the gripping hands, the flocked hair, they're, they're mm. just some of the innovations that, that Palatoy developed. They continued that habit when it scaled down to Action Force. So the the redecoing alone on the, you say, on the Panther there is it's just one example, you know, different paint scheme, different sticker applications. Oh, the ATC? Um, the ATC. Z-Force headquarters? Yeah, that's not there either. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, but, but even like the mobile missile system there, something as simple as putting like a camo paint app yeah, on the missiles was just, you know, a stroke of, of design genius. And it totally elevates that uh, that particular toy. So that's, uh, that again, that's Bob and, and the wider design team mm. at Palatoy. They were, they were great at working with, you know, very little and being able to come up with something pretty amazing. Got a favorite item there, Brian? Well, on that particular shot there, I would be going for the Z Force Jeep, uh, 100%. Yes. Um, but I've, I've always loved the Cosmic Cruiser. Been, been a big, even as a kid, <laughs> big Space Force fan. You know, the Snowspeeder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Snowspeeder with a Gatling gun alongside. Suck on that, Luke. <laughs> and yeah, this this Gatling gun on the side here, that's that's the same as the, 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 the Rams the Ram. um, Gatling gun, just yeah, blasted on the side of this vehicle. And if you look at the actual body of the Cosmic Cruiser is the same body as the Shadow Track. 
Um, yeah. So they, they use the AF3 uh, moles or the AF3 vehicle. You know, they repurpose it A as the Shadow Track and B as the Cosmic Cruiser. So th- th- there's lots of retooling in the Series 2 uh, wave. Yeah, because you, you you see a lot more of the on the second turn market. I think you see a lot more of the shadow track than you do of the what AF F five. But yeah, sort of just innovate it. Sort of come up with a use the same same basic vehicle and and sort of spin. Gotta milk the out quid it. out of the kids by breaking look, up breaking up the Z force Jeep into <laughs> like taking the roof section off the AF three and selling that as a separate um, vehicle. Cheeky. Yeah, the boat, the, yeah. the SAS boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and would it be fair to say, um, Brian, that the you know this second wave is is would be the main focus of of the book? That it take, probably takes up uh, the the biggest amount of the the page count. For sure. So I mean, I mean, it is it's the battle years. So it, there's a big focus on this whole series two, um, but. So you, you can't talk about Action Force without talking about Series 1. And because everything, all of the tooling for Series 1 was repurposed to create the Series 2 Action Force. So you, you can't even get into this particular part, this phase of the Action Force story, without doing a bit of a deep dive on the Series 1 side of it first. So really, it's so, so what we're saying is the battle years. That's really what we're focusing on. We're, we kind of have to go right back to the very beginning of the story for context before we can get into this. So uh, the cutoff point really for our kind of minimum funding goal is the series two. So we're not going to, we won't deep dive into series three. Um, it'll, it'll get a, it will get a mention, of course, Thank but um, the series three is, is a further stretch goal in, in the campaign. Look at that. Great, great yeah. picture. And- to, and to be to be fair, probably series three is my absolute sweet spot when I think of Action Force or indeed GI Joe. I'm thinking primarily of uh, of this this set of uh, characters. Um, it probably in part influenced by when I I started properly. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> when I when I properly started collecting, it was uh, I think probably the the first issue that really sort of you know sticks in my mind is is a is a uh, an issue where Mutt is on the front cover of of um, the Battle Action Force comic, and the first figure that I can really remember picking up in the store is, is probably also uh, Mutt, uh, and yeah. and yeah, this you know they you know this this is in a kind of pre-internet era where there's a huge amount of information swilling about that 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 you might have a you know see see some information on the back of a card or or maybe there'll be a pull out in the summer special issue with a nice you know colored photo line up of all of the different figures so you don't necessarily know what's out available and and when and you're and sort of just you know rocking up to the toy shop on any given day it's kind of just a you know complete lottery as to to what you might encounter so there was only a relatively brief period where you could you know get in and pick up this stuff and um as a as a young kid without a huge amount of pocket money you'd you'd get one figure at at a time and if you're not doing that quick enough you're just going to get a a handful of these these figures before they're they're gone from the toy shelves uh forever with uh no no via you know particularly mainstream 
um, secondhand market, really. You know, no likes of uh, eBay. There was a, like a to- local toy fair that uh, would be held uh, at my school like once a year or something. So uh, that was like, again, pre-internet. No idea when it would happen. You just cross your fingers and hope you find <laughs> out. Well, um, that's how I that, got that, my collection as a kid was going to these uh, kind of church fairs and school fairs, which were you know, fundraisers. And yeah. I was in every single one of them. And I you know, picked up, uh, definitely picked up some figures for them, you know, for 20p, 30p, something like that. Uh, got I got an X wing and a B wing as well for, from those. Uh, oh, sweet. Uh, Missing every removable part, I might add. <laughs> yeah. was, uh, 50p, you know. So um, that's that, because those figures, they were about five pounds at retail uh, roughly around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so five, like my pocket money was 30p. That was my, so the, the, the massive price difference was I could afford to get a comic and, and some sweets. That's all I could afford each week. Uh, so I had to wait for birthdays. I had to wait for Christmases if I wanted to get any big presents. But when those um, kind of, you know, fundraisers came up for the school or the church, me and my brother, we were down there with, with our pocket money and we were picking up loads of stuff. Yeah. That's it. You had coming home. Like a little a, like that. You had, yeah. you had two cracks at it a year. You had your birthday and Christmas that's it. Yeah. and if you don't luck out then that's then that's you know opportunity opportunity uh opportunity gone um yeah at the at the toy fair that that was at, at my school which you know was almost a highlight for, for for the year i was able to um i was able to pick up a, a guaucho um figure the 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 reds uh, <laughs> uh gung-ho gaucho uh, i like guaucho that's uh, you know <laughs> I can read these things, but you can't say them. Um, but uh, the, yeah, um, but but absolutely no idea, you know, what what the significance of that particular figure was because I hadn't been reading those those particular issues. So I only I only knew uh, gung gung ho. So yeah, I could have eased, you know, a, a a little me could have easily tried to get some paint and paint him green. Um, so that you've matched the, the, the comic look of uh, well, uh, Gung Ho. Interestingly, Gaucho uh, only makes one story appearance uh, in the, the pages of Battle Action Force, okay. and that's in the Jungle Terror. And he's, you know, he, he's got a kind of a fairly major role in the story. But he mm. makes one front cover appearance, and he's painted in his Gung Ho blue uh, uh, kind of waistcoat, and, and oh. not, not the orange that was associated with the toy. So just uh, interesting. Uh, there. Okay. Can we have a moment for this incredible image? And folks <laughs> watching this on the playback, oh, feast your eyes. <laughs> so Duke's got Ripcord's gun. Uh, Scarlet uh, and Baroness are having a seat. It looks like Doc's yeah, about hilarious. to side off to Scarlet. The, the photographers <laughs> obviously just tried to, 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 to stand all of these guys up and just given up. They're just too wobbly. And so he's like, yep, you can sit down. Yeah, Destro's Destra, got the Baroness's Destra's gun. got Baroness's rifle. Very good, yeah. I don't know what missile's uh, scrap iron seems to have. <laughs> it's not the correct ones. Um, one thing that I do really enjoy, a continuity that I, I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to comment on, is that the Z Force color palette is retained well beyond the Z Force's expiry date? So you'll see the pack rats have red, um, and they are, I suppose, marketed as 
Z Force pack rats, I assume. Because even yeah. in this era, it's it's still the the action force boxes and cards. But then if you flick forward like to 1987, 88, when they're marketing the Havoc, all the parts that are orange on the American release, the Action Force release are oh. done up in red. And the wow. shade of green is a far more emerald green than a, an olive drab. So I can't help but imagine that that's the designer saying, let's retain at least a bit of the Z-Force palette so that there's some kind of consistency between the toys. That's uh, this Any is truth to that, Brian? This is one of these things where I kind of need Paddy to kind of weigh in because to get his encyclopedic knowledge of the, the whole uh, production. Well, we'll part. just take it as red then. The three of us agree. Yeah, done. Yeah, take it as red, not orange. Very good. <laughs> See. So I was going to ping on to the next one, which was this unproduced uh, oh, set uh, of the wow, special weapons force uh which uh, I, you know, is is kind of the the lost legend of uh, Action Force. Uh, do you want to talk to this a bit, Brian, and, and how this features in in the book specifically? Well, I have to give a shout out to Dave Tree because really the the, the information about Special Weapons Force probably wouldn't even exist if uh, if Dave Tree hadn't first uncovered that um, from the Palatoy archive. So, you know, big shout out to Dave on that one. Um, this is this is one of the uh, there was a couple of different kind of paint options uh, produced for special weapons force. This is one of them. There's there's another one as well, and um, so, so essentially there was the, the, the design team looked at a number of different forces. Special weapons force is one of them. Um, it obviously was never made it into production, and then you have it. There was even an air force that was worked up as well again with a different kind of you know brown and blue sort of color deco scheme. Uh, so th this is kind of something that didn't make it. Had the design department at Palatoy, it was closed in 1984, 85. And so had that de design department stayed open, maybe we would have seen a special weapons force, you know, make it to market. But with the closure of the design uh, department at Palatoy, then it just, it, it, it opened the doors for all of the Hasbro product to come in. Um, so there was no new action force being produced uh, by Palatoy at that point. So, but special weapons force is kind of something that you know it it, it has uh, it, it's you know, there's been a big interest in it since all of these kind of photos first came to life, um, and there's kind of a bit of a mythology is developed about them, and of course we've had Bombardier uh, get released by the GI Joe Collectors Club uh, as part of the, I think their bigger subscription service, so that's kind of made them a little bit more infamous in terms of the you know, mm. for, for collectors. Um, and for all those reasons, we wanted to give Special Weapons Force a feature in the book because, you know, we feel it would have been a brilliant add-on to that, the whole Series 2 lineup. So uh, one of our stretch goals is that if we, if we hit that minimum funding goal, the next, the next stretch goal is to, to build in a whole bunch of extra pages dedicated to Special Weapons Force. And with that in mind, we contacted a customizer here in Ireland, a great guy, Ray Murphy, and Ray's is you know, mm -hmm. the Action Force groups. You've seen his work; it's it really is magnificent. And Ray put together um, a complete special weapons force team and vehicles for the book. In fact, when in doubt, whip it out. 
Come on, Brian. <laughs> Come on, Brian. Bring it home. Let's see what we've got. Okay. Here we have. Oh, jeepers. The uh, Special Weapons Force. Uh, of course, we don't know what this vehicle would have been called, so we'll, it's the Special Weapons Force Panther. And we have uh, Bombardier. Uh, I do have Bombardier's accessories kind of packed away safely somewhere else, but um, this is a Bombardier, and this is obviously following the the, the color deco from that from an, an alternative special weapons force design that was done up by by Bob and the guys. Uh, we've also got in here. Let's see, Brian, is that figure painted up or is it tooled up in those plastic colors? The, these are these are painted up, so these these would be okay. repainted. Um, but you can see there's some nice kind of water slide decals that uh, clean. Ray designed up, and he, he kind of got them on as part yeah. of the uh, you know part of the figure's uh, design. And um, so that's bottom. So, yeah, bottom is like the, the strongest guy. <laughs> here, good man. A couple more. Again, you're seeing these kind of sans accessories, um, but in the book, should we unlock these particular? Uh, you know, uh, pages, they'll be fully geared up and seeing lots of action. Um, of course, Ray took some uh, creative liberties and we've got an, a, a special weapons force commander. Brilliant. And this is something that I really like. And I've seen a similar customs, but nothing quite like this. Um, Wolverine and Whirlwind uh, combined. Had a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Beautiful baby boy. My goodness. And that's you know, so so in the spirit of what we saw before with uh combining those vehicles um to to make a new one. And then here's the the, the, the nice attack cannon, which is done up with a special weapons force. And I love if you can see the decal here, you may not be able to see it, the resolution might be good enough. But again, yeah. these are all designed up by Ray and worked in. So lovely that he added those little paint dabs uh, to the front end, the, the sort of black in the barrel and on the yes. sides, very much like the the uh, the unproduced photograph. So if if that if that unlocks, what will happen is there'll be thirty two pages added to the book. It's going to have data files for all those characters and uh, lots of action photography with those with special weapons force you know in combat against the red shadows uh, cool and very so cool the, <laughs> there we go there's there's your mock-up uh cover do you um if if you don't unlock the the ian K kennedy cover tier is, is that likely to be the final cover or, or is there gonna is there we're gonna see something different do you think well, if we don't get, uh, if we don't unlock the Ian Kennedy tier, then yeah, we're going to run with the Vanyo cover. Um, th there'll be some small kind of fine tunings to us, you know, just in, in terms of kind of crop and, 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 and size. But effectively, what we're looking at here, this is a montage of, of different pieces of Vanyo artwork kind of worked into this battle scene. The only piece on that image that's not a Vanyo piece is the as Quarrel on the, the motorcycle, and that is a Gual. Uh, it's that's taken from one of Gual's panels, but everything else is, is kind of mocked up as a you know from different Vanyo artworks, and um, it's a uh, you know it, 
it, I mean, Vanya would be one of my favorite Action Force artists. Ian didn't do any of the panels or, or kind of covers, you know, on, on the run while what at its you know, while it was being run in battle. Um, but Vanya and Ian, and I think, have very complementary kind of art styles. They're both very precise. They're both very clean with their line work. Um, and they've got this great understanding of kind of human anatomy so that that's you get this accuracy in in the kind of the posing of the characters with quite dynamic angles some of the other uh great artists you know jim watson for example or john cooper mm. they would have kind of a rougher looser sort of style which is still beautiful yeah. um but but not as kind of clean and precise as like banyo the banyo brothers or ian kennedy um so if I had to, if I had to make a toss up between, you know, who who would want to do the cover for this, it would have to be either the Vanyo brothers or Ian. Um, we're, we're very fortunate that Rebellion have agreed to license us the artwork from, well, not all of the artwork, but some of the artwork from Battle Action Force, which is why we're able to produce a cover like this, um, you know, within the, the budget that we have. And of course, if we hit that top tier stretch goal, we're taking one of we're, we're taking a living legend or asking a living legend artist to come in and do something brand new of kind mm -hmm. of similar complexity uh and to do just you know a, an absolute killer front cover so you know it's we've a long way to go to hit that goal but you know it's never it's, it's never too late um if we can get uh if we can get a big surge in the last few days of the campaign then you know that that will be a great goal to unlock for sure yeah and and I've I've got a second hat as well as doing talking Joe, which is that I help uh, Ian Kennedy with his uh, arranging his art art commissions and stuff. So there's probably a little bit of bias there, but I think uh, if if he was get a commission for a piece like like this, which would be, you know, full coloured painted a, a, acrylic at A2 scale, featuring, you know, a, a lot of these uh, key action force uh, uh, characters and vehicles it would probably be one of the best action force pieces of art ever produced uh, yes. I, would, I would say with without being too too biased i've got uh, i've got my ian kennedy piece just to to the side uh, here let me uh, full screen myself this is, this is a beautiful piece so Ooh. uh here we go this is a, a sort of a recreation of uh, a classic gi joe cover in the style of uh, Ian, Ian Kennedy. So he did uh, a number of um, uh, Warlords annual covers, which uh, sort of feature characters kind of on the battlefield running towards the, the, the audience. So this, this particular cover is very much in that style, that tradition. So I thought, yeah, when I was asked, coming up with an idea of what I could commission Ian for that, that immediately uh, came, came to mind, but yeah, he's, um, He's been tapped by, tapped up by other other a few people for uh, for Action Force uh, and GI Joe commissions, and uh, you know with that attention to to detail the military background, the um, uh, the love of drawing um, you know, and ability to to do very complex technical details for for particularly things like planes, you know that's really in his uh in his wheelhouse and yeah he, he know unfortunately we never saw any anything in print from him for uh for, for action force but he did have a few pieces um in battle itself um so, yes so yeah definitely can contemporary although you know mo most of uh the biggest part of his his career has been on the on the uh you know commando 
in terms of the number of covers that he's he's done for that um yeah it's, it's he's a sort of uh just a, a machine <laughs> in terms of was that commission riffing on the cover to operation wingfield is that what you were it referring was, to uh issue is it issue three or issue four uh of gi joe yeah just a hawk it's, with a beret charging with a whole bunch right, of, that's sort right, of exactly, nondescript yeah. joes beside him mm. yeah yeah it's uh it's we think very, it's hawk, much, at least yeah it's very much that uh it was a request to interpret that in his style with a couple of specific tweaks uh mm. namely the the most significant of which was lose that bloody beret that doesn't hawk's <laughs> head who the hell is that <laughs> exactly white stalker <laughs> Okay, next up, uh, yeah, I thought it might just be worth Ooh. mentioning um, the the print here that you've got on uh, on the the Kickstarter, and uh, this this great uh, this great print that uh, you've uh, uh, you're making available. Yeah, these are well, the the, the first the, the, the really love this particular uh, the, the comic cover recreation. So it's a recreation of GI Joe number one but with Action Force characters uh, taking the place of the G.I. Joe characters. And this was created by Eric Aranya and Katrina Cerise Aranya and would have first made an appearance back at uh, Roll at Roll Call. I can't remember the exact year. And um, when Eric heard that we were going to, that we were putting together this particular you know, book and, and, and the Kickstarter for this, um, Eric very generously offered us the, this uh, poster that we could reproduce this um, with some slight tweaks from the rollout roll call edition and uh, and offer that as a as a backer reward for one of our pledge levels. So obviously, big shout out to Eric and uh, Katrina, you know, for 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 putting this together for us. And this is available at A3 size. This is part of the SES squad leader level, uh, where you get the book, it's a signed copy. It's a signed copy of the book, and then all of these prints. So we have the um, the A3 print, and then to accompany the A3 print, we've done up a series of eight by ten prints of the different teams. So we have our uh, Q Force, Space Force, Z Force, and SAS Force uh, prints, and then what was just dropped today uh, is there's going to be an additional fifth print added to that level, which is an enemy team uh, lineup. Mm. Yes, there it is there. So, so there's actually five eight by tens plus there is going to be the um uh the A3 poster from, from Eric and Katrina. Excellent. Release the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> well, him and that that bony fella, most infamous members of what? Oh, the Skeletron. The Red Shadows. <laughs> yes, Skeletron. Thank you, Mark. Skeletron. You know, Skeletron never had any comic book appearances. And I was even... Well, what were you going to do with him? Come on. Like, if you were to put yourself in the writer's shoes, like, hmm, they did well to work Kraken in. Like, they found him on ice and they were going to, I think, um, clone him to create these yeah. amphibious troops for, for the Baron. Uh, but, jeez, Skeletron? When... Um... <laughs> when uh, when we caught Zombies. up with um chris mcleod not too long ago he uh he, he said that um skeletron was originally designed as the robo skull pilot that's correct okay. so, would make a lot of sense yeah yeah you can you it's can kind see. of and actually i think it was i think he was actually even called robo skull on the uh, original pitch uh from from uh bob 
Brecken. That's right. He, um, he was the Robo Skull, and uh, I think the vehicle might have been called the Skeletron Fighter or something like that. Mm. The marketing team said, nope. "No, that's right. the Robo Skull." Skeletron. Interesting. I wonder if they had initially, at some stage, thought this is going to be a kind of a Flying Dutchman type horror story. This kind of Ooh. cursed ghost ship with a skull visage piloted by this undead skeletron or robo skull creature just floating through the space where it's wrecking havoc well that would have been i'm a gonna great go with that and <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean it's uh yeah i mean skeleton i actually remember as a kid always wanting a skeleton I, I, i've only got skeleton in recent years um i never had never had it as a kid but i think it was a mail away uh, for whatever mm. reason, I could could never get get my hands on one. But um, it's actually not a bad figure. It's it's a uh, it, it's it fits in nicely with the the insanity of some of um, Aaron Armbrough. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Pally Pally with Kraken right there. That that's very fitting. The yeah. Freak Squad, know, awesome. Now I know Brian. I know you, that you most most of your photography is done in camera with not with not a, a huge amount of uh, Photoshop fiddling afterwards. What is is these streaks coming out from the the back of the the Robo Skull? Is that is that practical or is that that's all practical? That chicanery. No, that's Sorry. all practical. There, all all of that's done in camera. So I'm actually shooting on a twenty second exposure for that shot. Oh. Um, I've got a got a got a handheld torch, which so what I'm doing is um while while the while the shutter's open um. I'm kind of way holding the torch up at one of the engines, uh, engine kind of exhaust ports, and I kind of wave it about there for a second, and then pull it away real quick, and then repeat that for all the the different engine what? Uh, ports. And I had to do that, that over the twenty seconds. It I had to do about maybe fifty shots to get something uh -huh. that kind of looked the way I wanted it to look. That is because that sometimes is the streaks are all over That's the place if they're not going in a in a they're not following and they're not all following yeah. the same pattern you know because God you can't <laughs> see when you're trying to yeah you'd have to have pretty like, insane muscle memory to just like get that exactly oh. right each time gee whiz well done Brian very striking image that that is uh, that is most impressive most impressive <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I was gonna before we get into dioramas. I was gonna I was gonna flip to to these. So so the, um, one of the main one of the key components of the book are these kind of spotlights. Um, uh, we've got Facebook uh, users. They've not I think registered their their name. So um, thank you uh, whoever whoever was that left that, that comment. That is brilliant indeed. That is true. Um, so so a big component of the book is these kind of profile individual character profiles so here we've got uh the infantry man that looks uh oh that's gual art i can see uh you've you've noted um sort of yeah much more earthy kind of you know dirty kind of uh art approach um jim watson and, and gual as you say kind of uh contrasting to the to the cleaner lines of uh vanue anyway sorry brian is that the Z Force Infantryman was rarely, if ever, actually drawn like the toy, and this is something that you see in in the comic side of things quite a bit. That they were never, they, they were never constrained by the, the toys. So that the writers would write 
characters that were different from the file cards produced by the marketing company. So, you know, uh, I think Eagle is referred to Rob Buckingham in, uh, in the comic, but his file mm-hmm. card is Christopher on his file card. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's little things like that, like the Kraken, uh, the, 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 what, what the marketing company envisaged for the Kraken was different for how he was portrayed in the comic. Same with like Red Jackal, uh, they, they departed from the story there a little bit, uh, from, from, you know, what the, from the file card produced by the marketing company. But similarly on the art side of it, the Z Force Trooper, he's drawn with the beret, he's drawn with the commando cap. You rarely see him with the the cap and goggles and the hood up, which is what we have on on the figure. So Wall's interpretation, they're all, you know, uh, beret type soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love the dynamics in this particular piece of artwork where they're, they're kind of, they're running for cover. They're, there's a sniper kind of bearing down on them and these guys are trying to, you know, they, they, they don't make it, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but uh, Red shirts. And, yeah. And is, it, is it green shirts in the case of Z-Force? There's a lot of them. Totally. Is it is it you, Brian, that was putting these particular pages to, together with the the kind of the coloring choices and and so on? Yeah. So like my role on on is, is uh, you know primarily photographer and art director of the whole book. Um, you know, I, I am contributing on on the text content, but in a in a smaller way. I mean, Paddy is fulfilling most of the text with David MacDonald. Who's, uh, who's writing up the comics side of it. And David is a micro-publisher based in Ireland. He has a, a, a long working history in you know, with British comics, vintage comics, and, and with Rebellion specifically. Rebellion owned the artwork now for you know, Action Force and, and those stories. Um, so you've got between David and Paddy, they pretty much cover the writing side of it, but I'm contributing a smaller amount focusing on the the, the 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 continuity component within the comics but my, my main role is designer and photographer yeah these I, these the these pages to me look particularly satisfying sort of just seeing i guess what you're working with you know is the raw image from the comic and then sort of, you know being able to cl- clean it up and, and make the color choices to make the characters pop it's uh, perfect um oh, i was going to say I've got no prize for Eagle's name, you know, Christopher and Rob. Clearly, this guy is called Christopher Robin, Winnie the Pooh. He's going to get, as an SES man, he's going to get, he's going to get teased remorselessly. He's not going to call himself Christopher Robin. <laughs> ah. So, you know, take middle name, shorten it, Rob. Bingo. There we go. Uh, the mystery is solved. No prize awarded. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Thank you, Ben for your comments oh, hello uh, ben, ben talking joe alumni yeah we've got we've uh, almost almost got a, a full house of uh, alumni there we just need uh, uh, christopher mcleod to chime in and uh, round it out uh, <laughs> so wakey wakey chris what time is it on the east coast what yeah what is it it's about Ooh. it's five hours behind Seven, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's not too bad not, yeah. on a sunday come on <laughs> <laughs> uh and i just had this one as as well up there moon dancer there so uh our space force man uh yeah a lot of um international diversity in the characters as well wasn't there this this chap is called Tariq el shafe uh so so yeah we didn't just go for for the english team it was uh you know cribbed from across uh across the world that's what yeah, Steeler doesn't come from Pittsburgh in Z Force. Steeler comes from Athens in Greece. 
He's a fellow oh. countryman like me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am Greek. Any opportunity <laughs> to do that accent. <laughs> and, uh, this this guy's got um, Destro's gun as well, hasn't he? It's uh, yeah, well, perfect ray gun. Come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, that in that particular shot there, that's from the Space Force accessory uh, pack that was available. Okay. So I don't necessarily the exact. You might have come with the blue Uzi, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it again, another shout out to Dave Tree. Dave kind of gifted us a Space Force accessory pack for for for, its, you know, for the dioramas in the book. So that's such a cool looking uh, blaster. I just yeah. had to match it up with that figure, you know, for that shot. I have put it on record before that that is my favorite handgun of the entire G.I. Joe line, or and oh, wow. I guess by by implication the Pally Toy line as well. It's just <laughs> such a finely molded piece. It's like if Han Solo's gun was a little bit more elegant, you know, less yeah. of a kind of a blunderbuss and more of a, a an arms dealer's weapon. Um, it's just so fine. The tip on that gun is beautiful. Yeah. And it, it doesn't take too much, particularly on the Destro's gun, which I think is probably a, a, a slightly more bendy plastic to, mm. to you know, knock knock the bend into into that one. <laughs> I think that blue plastic was a little bit more rigid. Oh, really? Uh, there we go. So, Diorama Rama. I've not done mm. a jingle for this one, guys, but... Um, well, uh, you're going to have to sing one live, Mark. I will not accept this. <laughs> I will not stand for it. Perform. <laughs> I am I'm not a performing monkey. Um so we looked oh. looked at this one the the red shadows you know just they there's they're so amazing the the red shadows. Um and I think it sort of particularly resonates with uh the American GI Joe audience that there's this sub team of villains who just you know have this perfect design to them that don't appear in uh, the the you know GI Joe kind didn't rather appear mm. in the gi joe world uh, previously um so so yeah much in demand from our international collectors pushing up robo skull prices <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i uh, occasionally will have a look on the ebay see see if, what they're going for but um yeah maybe one day one day you yeah. just gotta play the odds mark keep going to those church uh <laughs> <laughs> well, my Robo Skull, I got it off eBay a few years back for £25 plus shipping. Um, it was a great deal. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's not 100% in great nick. I mean, the, the, the tips off the chin guns are missing. But uh -huh. other than that, I mean, it's it's pretty much there. You know, it's all there. It's uh, the, the, At the time I bought it, it was advertised that the wing mechanism was broken, but they wouldn't lock into flight mode. Uh -huh. And for years, I thought, that they was just busted there was nothing i could do about it but there's a big thread on one of the action force groups where myself and a couple of other uh, action you know robo school owners all had the same issue and on the thread we're back and forth trying to figure out what the problem might be and in my case it was twofold there's a special plastic uh flap inside that kind of locks onto the roll bar in, inside the robo school and that had come dislodged so it was very simple to straighten that back up. And and then the wings are actually, there is a left and a right wing for the Robo Skull. They were on backwards. So if the wings go on, if you flip the wings, it won't lock into flight mode because they're basically facing the wrong way. And when you try to put them into flight mode, the roll bar is now, 
that the ridges are like pointing the other direction from the flap that they're supposed to lock onto. So by swapping the ring, wings around, problem solved. So <laughs> if your Robo Skull won't lock into flight mode, swap the wings around and uh, see if that works. <laughs> I hope really future Steve can remember that one day when I own a Robo Skull. Yeah. It'll happen. Okay, this is this after the Red Red Shadows. This is probably my second favorite sub team. The the SAS all in yeah. black. Gotta gotta love them with a uh, uh, tomahawk, eagle um, hawk sneaking in. This is eagle hawk. Yeah, that's spotted. You should have okay, gotten hold okay. of our buddy Chief. He's got the uh, SAS hawk and blades, which he subjects to some pretty <laughs> unspeakable acts uh zip lining it down um his children's play playground equipment but yeah i mean yeah he, he could have uh, loaned you uh the more authentic uh, sas vehicle buddy well th this vehicle actually is for chopper so chopper never got his own helicopter so i, I figured you know, <laughs> you see him in the comics like he's usually flying like you know uh you know, it's, it's like a chinook or something like that one of the bigger bigger helicopters so the next best thing that I had here was the, the Eagle Hawk, which was released as mm. part of the aviation line. Um, so I thought, well, look, you know, it's a nice compromise. I'll work it in here. It's it's not the it's not Blades and the Hawk. A Blades and the Hawk will get a feature in the book for sure. Mm. But right. um, but for this kind of to, to get the, the land, sea, and air components of SAS Force, um, I thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll put Chopper in here. It'll he look the part, you know, and he needs to have his own vehicle. Yeah, for sure, and um, yeah, they're with their adorable little uh, life vests. Is the is the <laughs> difference between the um, the eagle hawk and the tomahawk? Is it is it this blue shield? Is that um, yeah. windshield? The canopy is different. Um, I think as well. You can see those areas down below, where uh, just underneath the underneath the canopy. Yeah. I think they're transparent on the tomahawk as well, and the propeller blades. Uh, I, I believe are much easier to remove on the Eagle Hawk. Uh -huh. So they just yeah. pop in and out. There's no risk of them breaking, you know. And this driver of the the Wolverine, who's this chap? That's uh, actually Hunter. It's it's a well I don't have a hunter oh, it's not. collection. Um but that's just your your SAS force attack trooper without all of his gas mask and gear. So okay. he has that kind of masked face look. So I thought he'd be a good Hunter stand-in for, for this shot. But, you know, for, for anyone who's not familiar, Hunter is a repaint of, I think it's the Cobra Officer. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Repainted up in the, the, the SAS colors. And he came with the Wolverine, uh, I think, in its its first iteration. And then in Series 3, we got Rock and Roll, I think, with the Wolverine. Ton up, I think his name was, wasn't it? Yes, one up. Yeah, that's right. Oh, good old ton up. Well, I mean, the, the item that will probably get some interest from most of our, our Yankee friends will be uh, Stalker <laughs> peeking yes. out of the Panther over there, but uh, not the Stalker you're thinking of. Uh, it's it's <laughs> guys with some extra paint apps. Yeah, with some just gray on his gray on his face. Hmm. Um, and he. We we did get Snake Eyes for two appearances in Action Force, right? Yeah, that's right. We, well, you have Snake Eyes makes two appearances. He's got a cameo in the story, um, the Great Cobra Robbery, which is a fantastic story, illustrated by Vanyo. Um, and then he has his own story called Snake Hunt, not connected to the IDW run. <laughs> 
where he's more of a Rambo type character. He's not so much of a ninja. He's more commando, uh, you know, kind of making booby traps, and it, it's more a knife rather than a sword and a bow and arrow, um, which mm. is really real John Rambo first blood part two uh, stuff going on there, where he's picking off all these kind of cobras <laughs> who are trying to hunt him down. Um, uh, but Stalker, the character Stalker that comes with the Panther, had one appearance in Operation. Okay, Bullpen. just one. And uh, but, but he was unmasked. He was just yes. regular commando. Ah. I was about to say that's another example of um, the artists kind of choosing to diverge from the toys exact spec. Oh, it was indeed. I wonder unmasked. why. I wonder why we we got Snake Eyes in the in the comics. It must must surely have been that they were planning to release him as a as a solo figure at, at some point, unless they maybe got wind of the character in the the uh, G.I. Joe comic and assumed that he must also be in the Action Force comic. Um, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I think it was in, it was in the later um, Action Force or Battle Action Force comic books. So the, the kind of the, the unification of the two teams had happened by then, if I'm not mistaken. I think you know where you know when, when certainly when Marvel UK took over the contract for the Action Four stories, they kind of beat the Hasbro drum a lot more in their content. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know they were even reprinting you know Marvel as for USA stories as part of that. So that the whole the Action Force continuity there was a shift kind of more towards what what Hasbro were putting out there um, and. And subsequently, like Snake Eyes, as it you know, got a lot more page time. But in in Battle Action Force, he's often overlooked. You know, um, he's he's a he's a, a more of a periphery character. Whereas you know, Duke, Scarlet, Stalker, uh, Gung Ho, and Roblox, they all got a lot more um, mm. you know page time. They even had their own individual stories. Uh, you know. Uh, where Snake Eyes, yeah, he's just this kind of cameo player, really, you know, compared to everybody else. Yeah, like in, um, yeah, that Series 3 era of Battle Action Force, it was really Duke's book plus his team, just just yeah. as it, it probably in the Marvel UK era, it was kind of Flint's book and some team almost. Uh, yeah, sort of a slightly different focus on, uh, on the main characters maybe than the, than the the u.s book um you've got a lot of sand down here is are you in do you use like a dedicated sort of um stewed studio for for your photography and you know and is it filled with sand all over the floor that you're <laughs> finding for weeks on end afterwards yeah well i, I have um so well, i do have a studio i've got a dedicated photo studio it's a small workspace but it's i've got a, a you know a, a good size tabletop area where I can set up dioramas on that um, with different backdrops and kind of lighting. But uh, sand would be one of the, how I build my dioramas is that I have lots of different set pieces that I just reuse over and over again. So if we just break this shot down real quick. You can see there's these kind of rocks or mountains in the background. Uh -huh. That's just insulation foam that I've kind of hacked up with a, with a saw and a knife and just kind of painted it up. And then they can be used either as kind of like, like you see here, just rocks, or if I stand them upright, they can make like cliff faces. The sand is what you would buy for like, a, you know, if you had a pet reptile, it's the sand that goes in a reptile uh, cage because it's really, uh, really, really fine. 
So if you go uh-huh. and get like industrial sand, like from a from a builder's providers, it's way too coarse and it doesn't scale up with yeah, the yeah 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 the small figures. Um, Unless you're on Brighton Beach, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a beach sand is is, is perfect. It's actually absolutely perfect. But um, unfortunately, I'm in a county that's landlocked. So I've, I've no coast. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, Brighton Beach has got pebbles rather than uh, oh, right. rather than uh, <laughs> sand. So. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, um, of course, the, the water effect, I mean, that's just some blue paper. And then over the blue paper, there's ah. uh, clinkfill. Nice. Um, one of the clinkfill would have been used by, uh, I interviewed for the book there recently, Dave Barnacle. And Dave Barnacle is the designer who worked on, on the packaging for Action Force and the promotional material. And he would have art directed a lot of the photography. Now, Neville Chadwick was a photographer, but he would have worked with Dave. And it was Dave's responsibility to set up the dioramas uh, for the individual shots. So he would have used things like bubble wrap and, again, cling film to create those kind of water effects. So I didn't know that at the time until after I'd spoken to him. Um, but he, the techniques I'm using are actually very similar to what Dave would have used when he was setting up the shots back in the day. Hmm. Cool. Now I've got I've got I've, I've used most of the photos that you that you sent across to me. So we've got a fair few. So we we probably can't spend too long on each each one. But we can sort of have a flick through in a brief discussion to to give a flavour of some of the photography that will that we see in the book. Uh, so we're on oh, to the lovely Q Force uh, section here, the under underwater, um, and yeah, it's. Uh, some great techniques to sort of convey that feeling of, you know, being un- under the sea uh, that, that you've been able to create here, Brian. So, I mean, uh, this is all about lighting. There's no actual water in, in the shot. It's just how it's lit. And then trying to discreetly hide the the, the stands that the vehicles are placed on. Um, it's really just, you know, it's coat, uh, coat hanger. Uh, right. Just take a, the, the wire off the coat hanger and um, just kind of bend into shape. It's nice and rigid, so it's not going to, it'll hold the weight of the vehicles really, really well. And then it's just strategically placing that and lining up the camera so that you can't actually see the wire behind the vehicle. So it's a technique used by by a lot of kind of contemporary toy photographers, um, but it's, it's really effective uh, to, to get that sense of, of kind of, you know, flight or, or you know, floating vehicles. Oh, the wrecked focus is the one thing that really sells it. But the other is, how the hell did you get the kind of, I know they're not really bubbles, but whatever's coming off the back of, is it the sea line? <laughs> so off the sea line. So that is yeah. the cotton wool sort of dangled in the background. Oh, so good. Um, you know, it's, it's little things like that uh, to get those kind of scales so well. It's perfect. The right kind of density of cotton wool. Perfect. Yeah. And that's that sea lion was a, a great vehicle. Must yes. must surely be uh, must surely be the highlight of the Q Force uh, sub team. You know, um, I do look yeah, the these... overall, but the sea lion is a. Uh, I mean, they're, they're neck and neck for me. The two of those mm. vehicles. And with the the two the two I don't know what you'd call them, but the two sort of mini vehicles that sit on the side of it and come off. Uh, so that's what's in the foreground here. Um, yeah, just great. Great design, great playability. Okay, uh, so now we now we've got the the diver uh, 
uh, and uh, and the kraken sneaking up behind him. That's quite. That's, am I imagining it? That's quite similar to a uh, a cover from from Action Force, isn't it? We there was one with there, the diver. That's right. There's a there's a cover illustrated by Robin Smith where you have uh, the, the 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 Q Force commander, codenamed Leviathan, in the foreground. It looks like he's exploring some sort of you know ruined underwater city. Um, we, we kind of Greek columns and stuff like that, and instead of the kraken swimming towards him in the background, some just uh, red shadow frogmen. But um, of course, they were never made as a toy. So the nearest thing I have to uh, a red shadow frogman is a kraken. Um, and again, the kraken's just it, just as a wire gone into the, you know, the the peg hole at the base of his foot, and you can even oh, see wow. the wire sticking out the back there. But it just blends in with the rest of the seaweed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And in spite of the limitations of the five points of articulation, that is a very believable swimming posture that you've got cracking into. Yeah. Amazing. I, I love working with the five POA figures and you know, it's, it's the little small details in how they were, the limbs were sculpted that kind of make these poses believable. Um, it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I give the credit to the toy designers really that there's great, material to work with there hmm. here we go there's a spotlight on the on the sea lion and uh, some reuse of uh, the shark <laughs> in the background uh, yeah that nice. shark gets a lot of uh, screen time <laughs> <laughs> here we go spot the shark there he is uh, <laughs> this is this is a great this is just a great concept of uh, mm. you know being able to peek under under the waves and seeing what's happening on the surface as as well um, how did you achieve that this um it's so if you were to pan back what you would see is that there's actually a sheet of glass uh for the you know the surface of the water and it's just standing up on two uh two boxes left and right of the shot um those boxes make it nice and dark down below which means that i can control the lighting underneath to give it that sort of darker underwater feel um, and then up on top I've got the you know a sheet of blue paper and then a sheet of cling film to kind of create the water effect. The the foam coming off the, the sea skimmer that's again just cotton wool uh, worked in there. And because it's, it's because it's a uh, more exposed up above, I can put a different lighting solution on that to give it that daylight kind of feel. So mm. it's a, lighting is is you know a big part of how the the the, the mood of the shots are created. That's amazing. And, and, you know, the obvious shortcut would be to just do these separately and paste them together in Photoshop or whatever. So it's, uh, it's incredible that, that, you know, this is all, 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 all one practical photo. Um, okay. On to space force. Whoa. Out in space, <laughs> twinkling stars behind. Uh, yeah. The, um, the, the star effect is something that, uh, I've got to give credit to George Lucas for that, or it could have been standing. <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's, it's just, it's black paper with holes punched in it. And then you put a light behind the paper and that's what creates the effect of the stars. Oh, yep. Yeah. There is no camera in the world that can be exposed to uh, capture stars and also a well-lit subject in the foreground. So forget about it. You need a strong light source to <laughs> make those stars really pop out. 100 percent um excellent oh yeah that's uh geez, you're bringing back memories for me here god <laughs> <laughs> how long ago did you take these snaps um 
I actually, I, I can't. It's, I mean, it's not that long ago. I mean, we're not going back years. We're maybe just right. going back, you know, a few weeks. But um, we've been in such a frenzy of kind of creation mm. as we're kind of, you know, assembling the book. Uh, that that's I haven't even properly looked at that now in a long time. So it's kind of like wow, it's great to kind of <laughs> remember. Yeah, and, yeah and just, you know, some of the details of of the these figures from this era are just incredible. We've got the Action Force specific is it called the Triad Fighter, right? Um, yes. And these these pods on both sides come out to be like sub vehicles. Is that? I that's never had correct. One of these, so, they pop yeah. off, yeah, and um, and. And then the wings kind of flip back on the on the main ah, craft okay. to point Perfect. the opposite direction. Uh, Perfect. That that's a fantastic vehicle, and that was something that I always wanted. You know, as a kid, I, I didn't did, didn't get one until I, you know, many decades later before I got one. And this, mm. these these space troopers down in the bottom left hand corner there, they're um, they're they're wep- they're sort of laser weapon that sort of just loops around and plugs into their back without a separate backpack. It's just you know a- another of just the little touches of the area that that just yeah. so perfect. And this the um uh, <laughs> is he, this this guy here this, is he called like the commander or something the space captain? He's the space force commander. So his code name is Sky Raider, and um, uh, he's got this little hat that just you know pops on fits perfectly uh just you know just a lovely little tactile touch he's got the the blue uh uzi which presumably is the tooling from uh the gi joe snake eyes i would have thought yes um he's again he's kind of represents space force in their in in their non you know in, I was going to say in their civvies, but civvies isn't the right term. But when they don't have to get all geared up for going into outer space, yeah. this is the kind of uniform they would wear. And you really see that kind of actioned by, I think Ron Turner does a lot of the Space Force artwork in the stories. So they're all, all the characters um, have this kind of, you know, peaked cap and kind of you know, more casual gear when they're inside the space station. Um, but when they have to go outside, you know, for a spacewalk or whatever, they're in a completely different looking you know space outfit which doesn't look like any of the toys and this, this but it certainly on... is sci-fi of a certain vintage which is just so delicious whether it's in uh, the comic book arts or photography like this it's very like 2001 a space odyssey you know before i pass out and fall asleep <laughs> you know <laughs> all, all the early cool like space station stuff and yeah, on board the, quite... the ship stuff quite in keeping with with like you know thunderbirds aesthetic or, or um dan totally Dare as a con- contemporary that you know that kind of thing. and the art the sort of the art style was sort of leaning towards that sort of sci-fi um aesthetic it was was generally that kind of slightly cleaner futuristic-y kind of style ra- rather than the the grim and the lived in world george lucas li- yeah exactly dinged up millennium falcon but credit where credit's due brian i know you you're very modest and and say that the figures gave you so much and the vehicles gave you so much but like this is inspired stuff man really well done oh thank you cheers steve hmm. okay we've got a, a shout out a hello there hi right back to you thanks for joining the, the stream you know feel free to to chime in with your your comments as as we're going along um What's the name of this guy on the the right? You don't you don't see him cropping up so much. I never had this guy when I was a kid. So this is the uh, Space Force engineer, um, code name Kiwi, 
and uh, just shout out <laughs> to, to uh, another Irish collector, Martin McCanny, who loaned me um, uh, Kiwi for you know to, to photograph for the book. Uh, so it comes with a number of kind of detachable accessories. So Kiwi actually is missing a hand. So he's got uh -huh. this soluble hand. Um, and then he can attach different tools to the hand, which he can use for his various kind of repairs and maintenance work uh, on, on, on the Space Force vehicles. But so uh, Kiwi... Predating, predating the, the bats. Battle Android Trooper, pre yeah. Yeah. <laughs> predating uh storm force as well that that followed on from action force in the pages of battle who's uh the lead hero in that had uh had, had an accident where he lost his arm and uh then was fitted with a number of <laughs> guns and whatnot that he could uh, fit on his arm instead yes <laughs> uh, kiwi does get to, he gets one comic appearance where he helps moon dancer who's been um who's is in a spot of bother he has to prove his innocence uh, for the destruction of a tri uh, triad fighter and uh, Kiwi is the only one who believes him and helps him out and he gets to use his uh, cybernetic hand to uh, bash a few red shadows over the head <laughs> perfect uh, so we've got now a sort of segueing from space into into uh, a futuristic red shadow theme here the uh, yeah <laughs> the laboratory of uh, the Mouton. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, the Greeblies scale so well. Honestly, every little just, bit of mise-en-scene that you've selected is like perfect. I'm, I'm just picking up for the first time on this one as well, this this tube running on, along the bottom with the, the steam pouring out, which uh, <laughs> is, is my eye fooling me and is, of course, must be cotton wool, surely. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> It's cotton wool again. I was shooting probably on maybe a three second exposure, and um, while the shutter's open, I'm just kind of you know blowing on the cotton wool, and it oh wow! So when it moves about, it gives you that kind of translucent feel, which looks hmm. you know, like steam. Perfect. Um, uh, but I've always been fascinated by you know the, the, the there's a few stories where there's this kind of reference made to the Baron's lab. So for example, like when. When Red Jackal is first created, he's, he's, he's you know created in a lab. The, the, the Kraken is created in a lab. Um, so, but we never get to see much about the creation of Mouton. So I always I had you know I've only got one complete Mouton figure, um, and Mouton is this kind of cy cyborg. He's, he's supposed to Red Shadow's equivalent of a bat, um, modeled off the using a lot of the, the deep sea diver uh, tooling. Uh, so this is to try and envisage how. Mouton is created, but also using the incomplete Mouton figures in my collection. Um, so I kind of rigged up these, uh, they look like kind of, you know, beds or trolleys that the, the incomplete Mouton figures are sitting in. And they're just going to, you know, get, get their, they're going to get pitted up for battle uh, once they get their uh, kind of blood <laughs> injected into them. <laughs> Good grief. Terrific color choice. That purple was never part of the red shadow color palette, but man, does it work. But they really pop off from that. And I try to get a lot of color into my shots, you know, to make them as colorful as possible. Yeah, just having, yeah, a lot of contrast making that red pop. What are those two panels? Sorry, I know you want to move on, Mark, <laughs> but I have to know because they're so finely detailed. Is that a, a, a dedicated sticker? Oh, so th those two computer consoles, they're actually from a modern era uh, 
a kind of accessory kit. It's like a, a, a control room piece. So it's actually Paddy. These are out of Paddy's collection, and he he, he gave me a loan of them. Um, huh. So they just look like really great little computer consoles. You know, nice little yeah. touches. Oh, yeah. And like the, the the vintage toys don't look out of place next to some of these kind of more modern fixtures. And what I try to keep it as vintage as possible. Um, these little you know pieces in here are kind of nice little nice little touches, I think. Um, and probably the, helped the, by the the five POA presentation because if we were seeing rivets and screw holes, yes, mm, th it would actually date these figures a lot more than them being like basically flush. Their, their, their presentation is very neat yeah. and timeless. Mm. Absolutely. And you've nailed it there, Steve. It's the fact that, that there aren't that those joints and screw holes in there that just create a more authentic illusion with the figures. Well, I, I, I can't claim that point as me making it for the first time, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pleases me to present, present it here. Um, yeah, no, that is the age-old argument, isn't it? It's You either were a fan of 5POA for that... That, that neatness of design or you're a fan of you know yes <laughs> there we go there we go you can wave wave your man <laughs> oh yeah looking looking great how's how's the logo on it's kind of, oh, yeah, bit, bit of rub bit of rub on the logo have we lost oh sorry uh, either I, I might did i do that no Oh, Steve is gone quiet there. Ha, I'm back. Um, okay. I don't know. I must have tapped something. No, I, I did the hydrogen peroxide bleaching trick on him because he was knackered. Uh -huh. I got him at, oh, for yeah. a song. Um, but it's it's nice to have a beta Storm Shadow because this is such a an eggshell kind of action figure that you have to be precious with, the, the sort of minty yeah. specimens. So it's nice to have one that you can actually play with, with, you know, reckless abandon. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Hence the rub. I feel See, no I pain now. At first, I thought that Steve was talking about the uh, the glass uh, viewing <laughs> yeah. screens. Which, the takeaway uh, Tupperwares. Yeah, yes. yeah, I heard this the story, <laughs> but it's a great story. Brilliant. Takeaway lids, fantastic. Yeah, if if I if I was in your position, Brian, I would be constantly be getting grief from my family of saying why are you hot trying to hold on to this rubbish you can't possibly it happens all the, well they know me really well at, at home because I, I recycle a lot of like most of my props are made from recycled waste and um they'll they'll see me looking at something <laughs> knowing that the cogs are going and they say don't <laughs> don't throw that out he's got an idea for that perfect Okay, then this is this is a, a great great one. So spotlighting everyone's favorite, uh, just yeah, great action. But um, I mean, this is a scene from from a comic, because I'm thinking of of Desert Strike. Yes, and that obviously involved a Harrier. Um, was there a Robo Skull at some point? Desert Force was pitted up against it. There's another Z4 story which happens it's obviously much later and we have the series 3 Red Wolf um, so it's Cobra now at this point it's a Cobra mm. Roboscope attacking a Z4 team uh, again it's in a desert but it's, it's more of a daytime strike but to, okay. to really get the most out of those kind of lighting effects and with the explosions, it's it's nice to do it in the dark and, and, and set it up for night. So everything illuminates really, really nicely. 
but it's definitely inspired by that beautiful John Cooper cover where Red Wolf is kind of swooping down over the, the Z Force troops and is making mincemeat of them, basically. <laughs> Hang in there, Steeler, my fellow countryman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, I like the way as well in they sort of transitioned from uh, series two into series three. They had um, Wild Weasel be the pilot for uh, the Red Skull as, as well, didn't they? I don't uh, I don't think that he was ever included as a figure. But uh, yeah, just a nice melding. Hang on, the, wasn't the, the Robo Skull in later series uh, packaged with Wild Weasel? I think there might have been a, a switchover. Really? Do you think, think there might? Was. Okay. Yeah, I think there was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Cool. I was. Uh, yeah. I was never sure whether whether he actually accompanied it or not. But if he did, that makes Patty, sense. Patty, Patty, where are you, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> did anyone actually explain his his absence? Didn't he get He's knocked probably... on his ass by his vaccination? He's um. Uh, he was he actually had to attend a dinner party at the uh, Colombian embassy. He's invited directly. <laughs> by the ambassador. So um, Escobar. <laughs> you, can't, you can't actually say no when you get that uh, invitation. No. So um, uh, so I, I hope they're breaking out the Ferrero Rocher and really spoiling him at the moment. <laughs> the Ferrero Rocher. And you're spoiling it. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, uh, oh, here we go. Some more Z-Force spotlighting stealer. Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah, I mean, the Steeler and the Mobile uh, or the Z Force Battle Tank are, I mean, you know, great vehicle, great figure. Um, you know, I'm a Z Force were always my favorite as a kid. I love that the, the infantry side of it. Um, you see the Z Force radio operator on the far right hand side there, my first ever Action Force figure. Uh-huh. Um, although I don't have any of my childhood figures anymore, they were, um, oh, no. the threw everything out when I went off to college. So when I came back from college, everything was gone so i've been spending ah. most of my adult's life recollecting all that stuff same as all the other collectors out there <laughs> i i was i was um fortunate enough to be the inheritor of someone's childhood collection i was working <laughs> with a guy who um we got into conversation and i said i was a huge gi joe fan he was like gi joe no buddy i need to give you some of the real stuff so he let me have his his collection of figures and amongst them was captain campbell over there one of my favorites yeah nice. that and the sas commander hmm. amazing here we go so uh, a big lineup and we've got the uh is it atc am i getting my initials mixed yeah, up the, the, the z force atc the battle tank and the z force jeeps uh, the, the z force lineup is actually probably one of the biggest lineups um so it was really difficult to do a team photo uh without it getting it was just getting too busy um and, and if the shot gets too busy then you start to lose some of the impact so i had to take a few pieces out and uh you know kind of restart this took quite a while to set up because it was so complex um but i love the z force jeep so much i had to put two of them in there <laughs> let's lose quarrel but stick in another uh jeep uh okay next Ooh. uh next segment we were going to do is uh picking some of our favorite covers uh so uh i prepared something for us 
for that. Uh, here we go. Let's have a look at the covers in the gallery. Okay, so favourite covers. Here we go. This was a selection of uh, some of uh, Brian and Paddy, myself and Steve. So a mixture in there. I think uh, a couple of us picked this. <laughs> Everybody loves a wraparound. Look at that. Yes. Um, this is, this is, I can remember this cover as a kid. It's a great story, London in peril. Um, and obviously you can see Cobra attacks London. And this is illustrated by Eric Bradbury, one of my favorite uh, contributors to the action force, um, you know, art universe. And uh, Eric didn't do he didn't do a lot of strips. He did a couple of strips, but he's he did a he, he did a lot of covers as well. Um, and this is a beautiful piece. I mean, you've got you know you've got Destro right up in the foreground. You've got the night attack jeep behind him, and then when you flip around to the bank uh, back cover, you've got the the fangs, the Robo skull, you know, devastating London from the air. You've got his tanks on the ground, and you've even got a, a water moccasin. Uh, you know, out on the Thames there. Oh, it's, yes. uh, it's, I mean, it really is a superb action packed cover. It really, really is. It's probably my favorite uh, of the era as well. And uh, I've got, oh, it's not the greatest um, uh, mm. resolution there, but there's the, oh, wow. there's the original art to that. Not in my own collection. I would dearly love it to be, but, uh, <laughs> but, but there we go. So, uh, you know, clearly, uh, a really big oversized board that he would have been uh, working on to to produce that. Um, oh, that's image. amazing! That is amazing. God, I'd love to. Zartan at his most dreadnocky, I must say. Yeah, like, he, he looks just, like a real yeah. thug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that Action Force era, you know, he he was often had that you know quite a sort of dirtied up, sort of real thuggy kind of uh, look to him. It's even got a bit of uh, five o'clock shadow if my eyes aren't playing <laughs> yeah. tricks. Terrific, yeah. Like that. Cool. Uh, so then we've got the uh, second wrap wraparound from the London in Peril story. This, uh, the story was, you know, my real favorite at the, the time, sort of uh, living in in London or growing up in, in, in the suburbs of London. And, often going up to uh, the center of London, it was just um, blew my tiny little mind to, to see, you know, my real, you know, world of, of, of where I was living, sort of intersecting with the, the story and, and seeing these real life landmarks being overtaken by, uh, by Cobra. Uh, yeah, incredible stuff. This is lovely. And again, but the, the mighty John Cooper illustrated this spread. I mean, this is Fantastic. At this point, obviously, London has now been captured by Cobra, and uh, they're 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 firmly, firmly in control of the situation. Absolutely are. And... Guys, I have to I have to step away from the from the camera just for about sixty seconds. So if you can, mm. you guys want to keep He's going. He's that quick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I will be. I'll be back in sixty right. seconds. Thank you. There. Gone for 60 seconds. All right, it's just you and me, Mark. Film. I know. Uh, <laughs> we had... Uh, got an interesting the, request in the, the chats. I don't know if you, we, <laughs> you want to bring that up. Well, yeah, we had uh, a request here. Uh, request, can you show the full design of the T-shirt you're wearing standing full screen? 
<laughs> Why bother I, with the t-shirt? Money. Why don't I just take my top off? John Lover one. <laughs> this what I've got is. Here we go. Are we doing this? Okay. This is bizarre. I'm, just, I'm a t-shirt. <laughs> Gorillas. There we go. Uh, I don't know if I want to cave to that. I'm gonna. Show yeah, you're not afraid to show proud. off your t-shirt. I'm proud of my t-shirt, but I'm not. I'm not showing off anything else of my body. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, John. Uh, so that was John Cooper Banner. I love this artwork, except whose decision was it to include a very, very superimposed Cobra Commander? You know, he, he's not actually mm. on the artwork. He's just, I don't know, he's on. selling yeah. the back of the book. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, it, it makes sense because if, if he wasn't there, that, that sort of bottom left hand corner looking purely at the back page on its own, you know, there'd probably be just that you know gap uh on the uh on the on that bottom left hand corner space but maybe uh something i want to point out about these covers is how they play into a different style entirely which also plays into the way the pally toy action figures were marketed in the uk and that's very much like this is a news broadcast like boom headlines cobra's victory parade read london in peril inside and if you are familiar with the the old commercials it was a, a newscaster back mm. in the day uh basically suspending the disbelief of the viewer that like oh baron ironblood's forces are marching on the world we need to put together <laughs> a team of dedicated individuals to stop him the Z-Force commands the land legions and the SAS force fight on land, sea, and air yeah. and in space. So it was this great approach which really situated this as a real situation. It's like, pinch me, is this a real <laughs> news broadcast? So in the same vein, these, these comic book covers had some of that like, read all about it, bam! Yeah, Cobra takes over very, the world, yeah. bah! very much of the era you would be getting logos slogans saying what's inside you know modern comics are far more the image the logo at the top without you know the surrounding sort of text you know sure. what is the, what well, the, is dis the, the distinction of, that i would yeah. make is that like across the pond once again gi joe was not selling comics like this you know their approach was not the suspension mm -hmm. of disbelief mm -hmm. mixing of the real world into a toy commercial with you know the the, the stuffy old uh, news anchorman and his papers like oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so so this is i i love it it's great it's it's so distinct and it, it feels like the comic book covers retain that but i i know what you're saying mark that that it was of of its of its time that they have a lot of text and design yeah. elements mm. for sure but this seems to do both it's a terrific standalone artwork See something on your wall behind you there, Mark. Is that a John Cooper piece? Uh, this one, yeah. Well, I'll get to that in a in a minute. But uh, yeah, I do. This made a big impact on me, and I have actually commissioned a John Cooper uh, piece uh, as well. So uh, yeah. So the next one was going to be this uh, oh, yeah. Cobra destroys Big Ben explosion. Uh, another one that made a massive impact on me sort of just firmly fused into my old brain box uh incredible uh we, there we go john cooper um just oh. such yeah such a you know explosive dynamic 
image there. Um, that is yeah. beautiful. Um, you know, what, what actually is, is unusual about this for John Cooper is that he has this more traditional kind of art style where he doesn't do very sort of dynamic angles uh, with the illustration. But for this cover here, he has this kind of, you know, the, the viewpoints kind of down below looking up, which obviously has to do that to be able to get the tower in. But it's a, it's a slightly different approach from how he would normally tackle some of the scenes. So this is actually um, a really nice and slightly different piece of John Cooper artwork. Yeah, you know, the John Cooper's art sort of completely, you know, embodying, defining this this era of, of action force as, as well. He did so, you know, so much of it. And so that you know, so many of the big headline events um, that were covered in the stories. And this next one here is um, oh, something that, that uh, I had commissioned specifically. Hmm. I'm trying to find the... Uh, the words is he the culprit there. is that firefly there we go making his getaway oh it's firefly um so this is a commission that he did for me uh, at the time of the rollout roll call convention that he attended it was yeah my first big sort of private commission that i'd you know ever done um yeah completely because of that that duke cover you know being such uh, a significant part of my memories of of the action force gi joe brand uh, wanted to try and recreate that and uh, he did did um a sensational job um just truly truly that amazing. firefly he's always running away from stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that the detail on the clock face is oh, it's just yeah. the I, clock face but... the shattering glass the the flying debris as it's coming away is exploding. It's, um, it's brilliant. It's really special. Um, I mean, Robert's one of the great artists in the, the Geo Joe universe. Um, you know, in terms of contemporary artists, Robert and uh, Nito Diaz would be two of my favorites in there. So, yeah, he's, he's, uh, you know, one of the, one of the greats of, uh, the, the modern era. Um, here we go. There's a, uh, Duke being uh, chased by not just one, but two <laughs> red skulls. Robo skulls. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Robo skulls. Uh, <laughs> red so... skulls, that other guy, Mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, wrong one. Duke, giving it away. Uh, so, uh, Robin Smith here, who actually I think went on to do some work on European Mission slash uh, Action Force Monthly as as well so continuing ah, yes. lineage uh but yeah great dynamic uh shot hands uh well i was gonna do that hand going all the way into the into the foreground a nice bit of uh foreshortening uh what's up uh next we've got roadblock yeah one of the uh the big characters um uh of uh of the era got a lot of uh you know got some solo stories uh yeah spotlighted this in a way is, that this is super story this is actually um it's, it's called the scrapyard and roadblock okay. is leading a team of action force atcs i think it's three or four atcs and they're trying to chase uh scrap, scrap iron mm. across you know this kind of north african uh 
you know location and of course scrap iron is basically leaving it like a scrapyard with bits of action force uh, vehicles left blown up all over the place and and in this but this front cover here we have a uh, there's, there's a there's a train that the driver's been taken out um, scrap iron's kind of set it on a collision course for some small town and uh, roadblock has got to literally stop the runaway train uh, while mm. it was illustrated by jeff campion the cover was done by robin smith and robin smith didn't do any of the actual comic panels or the strips in battle okay. so but he did contribute a lot of front covers for action force and he gets overlooked you know people talk about john cooper and they talk about vanyo quite a bit but robin smith contributed so much in terms of front cover artwork he, he doesn't always get the um the kudos he deserves and this is a beautiful cover you know he's got his ma deuce mounted up on top of the yeah. atc which has its own kind of you know uh cannon loaded up there but the the ma deuce is a much more um much more uh, powerful weapon for roadblock and uh, you can see he just shoots the tracks out from under the train to, to derail it before it hits the town may i just highlight Robin's accuracy to the toy sculpt on the Mardus because the toy sculpt is its own unique thing. It's not accurate to the real world weapon, uh, strictly speaking, but he has absolute fidelity to the plastic. And that, as a toy fan, really excites me. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Mm, well done. And, and in this in this era, the... Um, you know, because we didn't have the internet and, and that kind of thing, the, the artist would often be given the figure either, mm. you know, to keep or, or as a, uh, as a collection belonging to the, um, to the, to the studio to, for, for the duration of the project to, to actually use as, as reference. Um, so, so they would sometimes, yeah, be, be, have a big parcel arrive with the latest, you know, figures to, to actually use as, as their, oh in person reference pays to be there nephew um does anyone know if the mardus can plug into the top of the atc like that probably not hey no there's obvious kind of uh plug holes on it there um so i don't think we can actually plug Mm. it in uh you know a bit of blue tack (laughs) yeah that's what we did as kids uh shout it's, out to it's... anything joe's welcome to the party is that greg out there, hmm. there we go. anyway there he is another well, fellow gi joe podcaster hey. and youtube channel thanks for joining us well you know a lot uh, of people are commenting that they haven't seen you know a lot of these artworks before but these are going to some of these covers are going to be reproduced in the book so it's um Again, we've got we've got the licensed artwork from Rebellion. Um, we've got over a hundred images. Uh, some of them are from covers. Some of them are internal panels that are going to be used to, to kind of throughout the book, um, mainly with the data files, but also to illustrate some of the you know, the narrative around the comics history and, and the artists themselves. So there, there will be a lot of comic book artwork reproduced in, in our book. I was, go- I was going to say as well that this um, uh, Robin Smith cover did throw me at first because I thought that was a that was a Jeff Campion um, story because I, I had some of the original art to, to that story. But I, I sold it simply because it was so big <laughs> that, that I didn't have anywhere to properly, you know, keep it in my in my collection because it was um, it was like double, double 
you know, spread. So it's so it's like you know, two two pages, and each page themselves are oversized. So so it's bigger than a a three. So the individual you know double page spread is is bigger than a two. So it's like huge. So just to to have uh, logistically somewhere to to keep it in your collection, uh, <laughs> this can be a bit tricky. Um, next up, we've got. Uh, Vanyo versus uh, Cobra Commander. Uh, sorry, Vanyo drawing Snowdog versus Cobra Commander um, uh, on the front uh, cover there. And the interesting one for, for this one is that uh, it was cribbed from uh, an interior page. So so this illustration there on the on the right of uh, of um, Snowdog clocking Cobra Commander is this same something you don't see up and not often at all like but actually they they've sort of probably someone in internal at the studio is is sort of uh you know probably created a stat of this image and then filled in the the blanks to be able to to square off the bottom of uh cobra commander's outfit i would have thought it's um it's 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 testament to the detail of the vanyo brothers artwork that you could actually take one of their small panels and turn it into the front cover because you know it was like we talked about Vanyo earlier about you know, liking to say that Ian Kennedy and um, they were very precise very detailed very accurate and that level of, of kind of I suppose that the quality of that artwork lent itself really well that you could take that small panel blow it up and get a front cover image out of it it's dynamic it's action-packed and I imagine that when you're up against it with a deadline to go to press, maybe there isn't time there to commission um, a unique cover piece. So what's the next best thing you're going to do? Go to Vanyo's artwork, grab a panel, boom, there you go. To my mind, I think that's the only time I've ever seen Mirror Face, Cobra Commander's visage shattered, like cracked. Mm -hmm. That's it's some pretty out. dynamic stuff. Wow. Ah, laddie! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's just fantastic. The way Snow Job is kind of looming over, you know, Cobra Commander when he's on the ground. The way he drags him out of the snow. Yeah. It's um, oh, just fantastic, fantastic uh, artwork yeah. there. It's it's yeah, high drama. It's too too good to be relegated to uh, you know, to the scrap pile. We need to you know this this. You know, art hold it up to the light my friends needs to be spotlighted it, it, it is um amongst the very best of the published work you know on on the gi joe action force ip it's uh it's incredible um okay this is one that you wanted to uh, to the, the coloring departments there because again these covers would have been supplied as black and white art and we didn't mention it there when you showed up the black and white eric badbury cover um there's a coloring department you know, in at IPC, that would whose job would have been to paint up the color plates, mm -hmm. yeah. bring these to life. So that's um, you know, it's a shout out to those guys that they they did super work. So this was one that uh, that you picked out as a favorite, Steve. Not only was Operation Snakebite my introduction to Action Force, it was my introduction to GI Joe characters in in print. Period. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, and left an indelible impression on how Zartan ideally should be characterized for me. 
He is a man of action, few words. He's somewhat superhuman. He's kind of like a swamp creature. You'll notice he's he doesn't have any dive gear whatsoever, but he is strangling a action force frogman. Incidentally, for those of you who don't know, all action force frogmen of this era were in Torpedo's wetsuit. So Torpedo, the action figure, could be used as a character class instead of, you know, an actual character. You could put Ricondo in Torpedo's gear, essentially, and he'd be ready to dive, um, as he was in this this issue. Uh, but this is just a nondescript um, Action Force trainee in that gear, and Zartan is squeezing the life out of him. He's on a top-secret mission to invade Action Force's jungle um, training camps run by Duke and patrolled by whales. He gets up to all sorts of mischief in this uh, arc, and it really made me fall in love with the idea of Zartan's this really, really freaky swamp-dwelling mystery man. Um, and ever since, I must say, it's, I've treated his later characterization with some disappointment because the mystery has been taken out and he's got a biker gang and grape soda and chocolate-covered donuts. <laughs> and in one continuity, he's got a dreadlocked um, daughter. Like, yeah. I prefer the purity of Zartan just being this... You yeah, know, he never had he's to, got blank yeah. eyes. You, you should not be able to see his pupils. That's the kind of distance you should have from his characterization. You can't, there's not a human being in there. Um, he never had to so, yeah, as I say, an nasty. indelible impression on me. And I think that's how I like to regard not only Zartan's character, but how my G.I. Joe mythology is, is put together <laughs> on this bedrock. So that's why, long story short, that's why this cover really, really gets me. But you're totally speaking my language there, Steve, because that's exactly how I remember. Sorry, he was a creepy character. You are seeing murder. There is murder playing out on this he, cover. He scary. Yeah. And, and, and what makes him scary is that mystery, that he's, he's a loner. He ha doesn't have much to say. Uh, you know very little about him. And those black eyes, um, yeah, he, he, creepy, creepy character. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Removable. Okay, so, so this is a bit of a, a, a cheat. I don't. Was it was it Brian? Brian, was it you or Paddy who selected this one? This is one of Paddy's uh, favorite covers. Um, okay, and, and obviously it's so, a deal from an era you know beyond where, where we're going with this book. Um, but I, I will say, if, uh, if if Action Force the Battle Years uh, you know comes to happen, there will be Action Force the Marvel Years. Looking um, forward to that, Mr. It's Tasty. The it's the cover that inspired a jingle. Snacks, snack, snack attacker. Chief and Chris, like on Solo and Chewbacca. I travel into hyperspace to get some snacks. Snack, 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 snack attacker. There we go. Blast from the plaster. Brilliant. Of, uh, Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> What's our uh, history? <laughs> What's our jingle count up to by now? I think we've we've reached that, Chief's yeah. quota. Here we go. I have to get get a snack now. It's just like a, a Pavlovian response. Yeah. Damn you, Mark! <laughs> you didn't prep me for this. <laughs> we've got some snack yeah. envy now, haven't we, Brian? Yeah. Since yeah. taking over talking talking to you, I've seen some of the uh, some of the sort of old emails from Chief and whatnot. And the the biggest point of discussion about prepping a guest for appearance 
on uh, Talking Joe under under Chief uh, Snack Attack era was what was the uh, snack for the show? <laughs> There'd be never mind the rest of the content. Ping pong, ping pong. What you know? What are you eating? What are you gonna What are you gonna have as your as your yeah. snack? <laughs> There's Chief's priorities for you. Love you, buddy. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh <laughs> what was uh what was i up to next so mr tasty second. would you say the closest like real equivalent would be wimpy of the day that's like, yeah that's what it put uk me in, like, wimpy bar yeah 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 mm. <laughs> the wimpy that's the milky bar sorry whatever man i was i hey man i'm the african kid here yeah 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 so i think i think the closest equivalent to, to this was probably the uh yeah the wimpy brand um so uh that was uh that was going to move on to some original art so uh, yes. this is this is a bit that i think uh, brian has been uh looking forward to and uh oh yeah i did i was going to have to play the uh the jingle for this here we go Sketchbook, sketchbook, here's my sketchbook. I can show it to you if you wanna have a look. Sketchbook, sketchbook, here's my sketchbook. And now I will stop this song. Okay, sketchbook time. <laughs> it's not technically sketchbook, oh. but it's original art. So the this one is this uh is this Paddy's or this is, is Paddy's. It... Yeah, um, this is Paddy's. And look, a quick story about this: we were doing a review of this particular story. Of the, the 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 title of the story escapes me, but it focuses on Helix, um, Silent Option, right. Silent and um, uh, Helix. Uh, you know, Paddy was making a joke on the full force that it would be great if you could commission Nito Diaz to do a picture of Nito. Uh, uh, helix cutting the mickey off a cobra trooper um and nito replied with a tweet that he would do that so um <laughs> so paddy commissioned nito and and sure enough here is the magnificent piece of artwork it's a it's obviously kind of post um amputation we can see so bits <laughs> off the knife there uh there we go. not looking good for the cobra trooper i have to say there we go it's great and you know the the shading that he's employed is is really nice it's uh you know very subtle uh sort of you know yeah uh, shading in the blacks leave it yeah it's uh great you know can you can sort of see the thought process of as the artist how he would have laid down his pencils uh ready for it to, to be uh to be inked 2019 there there i am um, included uh the, the here a facebook exchange about this uh about this mission, <laughs> which i just thought was uh hilarious so uh it was uh they said it couldn't be done but then i commissioned current idw artist nitho diaz to draw my favorite female joe character helix threatening to castrate a cobra trooper dreams can come true lads and then someone asked where's his severed mickey <laughs> hidden between his legs it's scarier when you don't show the shark. Fantastic. <laughs> Shout out Jake Witherspoon. He was a guest on G.I. Joeberg once upon a time. Hello, Jake. Lovely. Um, oh. Next up, here we go. It's uh, one of my pages, Battle Action Force 571. So as I mentioned, 
you know, love, love, love that um, uh, London in Peril storyline. And I've got the privilege of having two of the original boards. So you can see they're pretty huge. Let me do a solo. Jeez. Yeah, pretty huge. You know, all of the, uh, you know, lettering is, is sort of pasted on over the top of uh, the the art and you know beginning to to fade a little bit in in places but you know it's just great to see this and this is done on like a, a very oh, firm hard art board which was sort of more common back in the back in the day so it's got you know a bit of a wobble you know wobble board heft <laughs> to it so it's yeah it's yeah, not yeah. the standard kind of thicker you know paper that would often be used uh to today but um yeah just lovely to, to see and you can sometimes in the you know well actually always for, for this era because the reproduction was on this you know very rough paper with with you know fairly fairly kind of cheap production values in terms of getting it on the on the page uh, a lot of the detail would be be lost so you can you can definitely see a lot more detail um in in the original art than necessarily can be made out on the uh, actual printed page you know there's there's it's sort of just fascinating to be able to see the, the fine details and sometimes you might even be able to see because these speech bubbles have faded somewhat you can you can sometimes see where little corrections have been made um so that wow. you know, a word has been changed or was that or the whiteout has been used to create the tail of the speech bubble to, to point it towards the character that's uh, speaking so on so that was uh my first page uh there that's got uh uh yeah the cobras attacking and the uh the joe's against them and then the second um page oh, is uh, on signature on there too that's brilliant yeah uh the second one there is uh is a scene from trafalgar square square so again sort of just fascinating to see the 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 cobras occupying these real world uh spaces so uh there you can oh. make out uh hmm. nelson's column uh you know the the lion statue uh this is one of the i think this is one of the museums or the galleries in the in trafalgar square uh it's uh it's great and also the cobra and story as well theme uh Gorski is a dead man. He doesn't realise it. You know, there's much, often as in as much infighting in Cobra as there, as there is between uh, Action Force and and Cobra themselves. Letterer must have loved how many S's he had to include with Cobra Commander's speech. <laughs> That's it. Oh man, yeah, the Cobra's, Cobra Commander's speech pattern. It was yeah, all of the S's like a snake. Yeah. Something uh, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. I was going to say it's a great characteristic of. Because obviously Cobra Commander is Baron Ironblood, who is a complete nut job. Like he's totally insane. <laughs> so he, he, you know, it's it's perfectly normal that he would have this kind of affected voice where he would hiss out his uh, his <laughs> s's. Um, it's a uh, brilliant, brilliant. The man has disappeared yeah. into his role as Cobra Commander. Welcome Shout to the to party, you. Sarge. Your buds. Yeah, man. Yeah, Maggot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, itty bitty ditty back. Yes. Ah, what's up next? While oh, I go. was concurrently reading Battle Action Force and 
the current IDW GI Joe books, all of a sudden I started regarding the onomatopoeia, the sound effects in the Joe book with a little bit of contempt because I was seeing in the Battle Action Force books how you can actually get away with with not never having rat tat tat or bland or any you know it's it's just not evident but your mind makes the sound effects maybe it's just because yeah. we're comic book readers and we are we're tuned to do that but it made me suddenly think you're losing so much art real estate by pasting this typeset over you know over what some artist has done I could just do without it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. When I see a muzzle flash, my mind is doing the rat tat tat tat. Well, so. even you look at this. This this is a quick sketch here, and this is yeah, this is a brilliant one. You just hear the crumbling of the tower. Yep. Be a shame if they put crumble, crumble, and boom, <laughs> and swoosh, <laughs> and thwip. As <laughs> I don't know, is is Scarlet taking a shot? Possibly. Mm. Yeah, it's, I don't yeah. know how her uh, crossbow would fare against her, cult, <laughs> to be honest, but... Nope. Yeah. Throw a throw a ninja star. Why not? <laughs> or a ninja star, indeed. Do something. <laughs> a grot. So, um, so this is uh, John Cooper. It's a prelim for uh, a commission that he did for me in 2014, which I think was uh, the the year before he passed away. Which I think he was a about 74 something like like that um so uh yeah pretty much retired from 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 art and i was able to uh to get uh sort of fairly tangentially his his contact details i've found another uh a collector who'd uh, commissioned him on comic art fans and uh you know inquired you know how how he'd gone about that and how he'd contacted me so he, he was able to put me uh, he was able to put me in contact with him, and yeah, very fortunate to to be in a position to to commission him for a piece. And I essentially asked for um, the broad sweeps of my favorite, you know, a handful of my favorite uh, action force characters, you know, from from the era, Duke um, and and some of the others, and uh, you know, it to be connected to to London in peril, including uh, Big Ben being destroyed by a, a robo skull so those kind of the main beats and then leaving it up to him and just providing with uh, plenty of reference so that he could uh, include anything that um, he saw fit to um, so that was the ori- original uh, rough and then this was the final uh, piece so that's mm-hmm. yeah. in the rough it looked like Cobra Commander was among the dead I see lost him uh oh yeah i see that yeah yeah i get it's probably just yeah leaving out the details of the trooper to be fair but all right uh, yeah no of course that would be a major coup if they got the old snake in the end i mean that's Mm. that's a lovely lovely thing to have in your your collection uh mark like one of the one of the first things we did when we were working you know doing the preparation work for, for for total action force was to build out a spreadsheet of all the different artists and writers. Um, look at that. That's that's magnificent. Look at that. Uh, and, and unfortunately, so many of that those great talents are lost that they're, they're, they're passed on now. Um, and obviously, John is one of them. So the fact that you got to you know, be get in touch with them and commission those pieces, 
that really is something special and they are they're smashing pieces to have in your collection absolutely yeah my brother was actually in the process of uh commissioning him for a companion piece to to this one which was going to be i think a, a scene more focused on some of the cobra characters in um trafalgar square but un unfortunately uh, that was never completed so uh, we won't get to see that one but um uh yeah lovely to to have you know this you know one of a kind piece in my collection sort of re recreating a a moment from you know pretty much my favorite story of all time so yes mm. um there we go uh that oh. was the end of the uh, of the art spotlight right. and we're draw drawing to an end but i had uh one last thing to uh to finish off on which was an innuendo talking uh <laughs> action force special and if we got a new segments, you know what that means, kids. This is how the story goes. Attention. At this moment, you are now listening to Talking Innuendo. If you are offended by words like sucking, flesh wound, willy, Pete, balls, crystal balls, hypno shield, whatever, take the tape out now. This is not a pop album. And by the way, Suck my grandmother's brick in a Prada handbag. Okay, we're back in the room. So if you're not a regular listener to, to Talking Joe, then just to familiarize yourself with this segment, Innuendo is the part of the show where... I will uh, talk about some of the code names and, and names from the G.I. Joe and in this case Action Force series, which when said and interpreted with the right kind of mind, which is mostly my kind of immature juvenile mind, they might sound a little bit dirty. So the idea is, can I read through a list uh, without making my guests titter? That's right, titter. Or hopefully even guffaw. Oh yeah, there's so. going to be plenty of guffaws and, and uh, titters for sure. Let's do this. No, Brian, let's not do this. You know, keep it together, buddy. We're going to get a perfect Doody. score. What is it? We got five. Do these? Do these? <laughs> do these? Oh, we've lost it already. No. Okay. Right. Into that zen-like mind okay. and, and in in the zone in, and and up again. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Okay. Jammer, codename Quickfire, Commando, The Cosmic Cruiser, Z-Force's Shaft, codename <laughs> Beaver. <laughs> All right, that was me. That was me. Okay, first one down. Let's, let's, let's see if we can get, we can get Brian on, on these, these last two. Okay, codename Beaver. Baron Iron Blood's big helmet. <laughs> you didn't go for for hot jets, my my absolute favourite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh dear, there we go. And just uh, what to, context to did you find Baron Iron Blood's big helmet? Is it just from, from the just crevasse of your? All right. That's, that's the way my mind works. So, ah, Beaver. Here we go. 
and here's a beaver shot to uh to finish off the show yes mm. love me some canadian beaver oh dearie me so uh, <laughs> there we go i've got some comments that have come in so let's okay yeah i was trying to go for for action for specific names um which was uh why i didn't sort of recycle anything but uh here we go you know, <laughs> Very good, Stephen. Could, could definitely go for a flash. <laughs> oh, goodness. and uh, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter's slaughterhouse. Yeah, he got he got the beaver. So uh, there we go. That's a uh, nice. T- <laughs> Another fantastic piece of John Cooper artwork right there. That's a tiny panel, and he's packed in so much detail into that. That's uh, that's mm. one of my favourite, you know, small John Cooper pieces. Cool. Um, and then for those people who maybe join the show uh, midway through, let's um, while we're wrapping up, uh, let's remind people to head on over to the Kickstarter page. Here we go. Action Force, the battle years. Do a Google search if you uh, if you don't have the URL, which should be in the various links for, for this. Head on over and uh, click on into the, the back this project um anything uh anything to to add uh brian about uh about the book maybe remind people with the uh the sort of the uh the uh, your elevator pitch of uh of why they need to 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 get the get them back the project well it's going to be 176 pages it's going to be a hardback book it's going to be slightly oversized if you've bought you know uh, total hacks or total true uh, total retaliation in the past it, it'll be a similar size but a lot more pages and then with that large hardback cover you know perfect binding on it um it's uh really it in terms of what's in the book it's all about the toys but it's also about the the creation of Action Force, the, the physical product and the mythology around those figures. And then looking specifically at those creators, the writers, the artists, the toy designers, the engineers. Um, and, you know, if, uh, if, if you're an Action Force fan, if you've got interest in that kind of, in the history of Action Force, if you want to see some of that lovely, amazing comic artwork reprinted for the first time in you know, decades since it was, you know, first printed, pledge on the campaign. Um, let's hit that minimum goal. Got a few days left. We're well on our way there. And, uh, you know, just, just let's get this over the line. And then if we can put a big final push on, let's start unlocking some of those stretch goals. And definitely a big uh, favorite for me is going to be to get the Special Weapons Force team included in that book. That's our very first stretch goal, and that's going to be a lot of fantastic photography, brilliant data files written by Paddy, um, inspired by what we know about Special Weapons Force and, and the people who created it as well. So, it's um, it's a great book to have in your in your collections. A lot of the the, the viewers out there may have the Blood for the Baron book, um, which is again super book, which is it's a really it's got a big focus on the figures, the accessories, and if you want to complete your collection, that's a great book. But if you want to know more about the story, like a real detailed story of Action Force, Air Book is the one to go to. If you want to see those toys like you've never seen them before, Air Book is is a project to back for sure. Excellent. And uh, aside from uh, the Kickstarter link, if people want to find you, Brian, where should they head on over to? 
Um, best place to find me is uh, on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash Brian the Hick. That's my, my handle on, uh, as you can see my handle on the, on the chat here too. Um, and you get to see some of my Action Force images in there and also some of my uh, Kenner Star Wars images as well. So um, lots of vintage toy photography uh, over there. And if you want to do a real deep dive on my Instagram feed, you'll even see some of my mask photography in there as well. Uh-huh. Excellent. And Steve, if people want to find out more about you and your stuff, what's the best place to uh, go to? Uh, G.I. Joburg everywhere. That's uh, G.I. Joburg. And that's J-O-B-U-R-G, not J-O-E-B-U-R-G. Though you might find us under Joburg misspelt anyway. Uh, I don't know how many G.I. <laughs> Joburgs there are out there. But uh, Insta, Twitter, uh, my favorite home is on a Facebook group. So if you can deign to be on zuckerberg's platform uh we've got a thriving little group there and we we play with our toys right now if you were on our facebook group you would see a thread started not by me may i add of people just shooting with their mobile phones sequences of action figure play and then threading it into an ongoing storyline which is well it's the way we play nowadays boys and girls um you know in an era of social distancing and all those many evils of the world, we can still connect with with fans of this franchise and get our toys out and play together. Terrific. Nice. And there's a YouTube channel and a podcast. So G.I. Joe Bird on all podcatchers. Uh, on all channels. Everywhere. All the time. Excellent. Um, Over so to you, yeah, remind, yeah, so just big thank you to Steve. Steve for yeah, you got uh, it. Jo- <laughs> for, for joining me uh, at the late hour which probably sounds like it's early for you even though it's late uh, and also to uh, brian for for coming on and, and sharing uh, all of that uh, you know brilliant stuff about uh, your your book project and and you, you know really fingers crossed that uh, you don't just uh, hit your minimum target but we you know start to unlock some of those those tiers as well uh, you can find uh, me and the rest of the talking joe crew on uh, talkingjoe.co.uk uh, which has all of the places that you can find us on uh, we'll be talking later today uh, with uh, Diana Davis about her uh, Scum of her um, Duke collections of sketches and, and art. So, uh, you know, come back and join us for that. We just yesterday spoke to Nitho Diaz. So that will be on the next podcast that goes out on Thursday. Great chat with uh, him all the way over from brazil and uh then yeah just sort of stay tuned for all of our discussion of the disavowed era and the ongoing adventures in the era book um so that all leaves me just to say that when all is said and done you can catch us down the road any volunteers because Because we've we've been been... talking joe (laughs) we're all out of joes laters Team effort, boys. Yeah. Full force.